to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Okay. Uh, what's up, cucks? You guys triggered? Uh, no flakes. Um, welcome to Pod Damn America, the motherfucking gothic socialist podcast for uh, for all of us triggered libtards in our little safe spaces, uh, scared of Nick DiPaolo. Um Hello, welcome to the show this week. We will be talking about this new dumb fucking Nick DiPaolo special. I've uh, uh, assembled the super friends. Uh, like <laughs> I, I would, whenever I f- hang out with a, a specifically diverse group of friends like this, <laughs> I feel like we're all in a cell phone ad for like uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be your family you can do a friends plan um, hi I'm Jake Flores uh, returning champion of pod damn America to talk comedy theory with me is the great Luisa Diaz welcome back to the show hi thanks for having me back Jake <laughs> love to come out here <laughs> Um, Sachi Ezra, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? Not much. And a returning guest also, Trevor from Champagne Sharks. Hey, how you doing? Good. You got to talk into the mic a little oh, bit. Okay, my, there we go. My mics <laughs> don't have that weird spit catcher thing that everyone else has. There we go. Because we're a, we're a bullshit operation around here. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, we'll get, we should get right into it. Uh, there's so much to talk about with this fucking special but for anyone uninitiated who might just have wandered into the show uh we're talking this week about this thing that happened this week um regarding a comedian named nick DePaulo, who's like an old seller comedian an old like opie and anthony tough crowd guy who decided to uh do an extremely old man thing and sort of release an album that is i think from his point of view supposed to be very like subversive um it's it's Yet another old white guy who released a comedy special where the premise of it essentially ideologically is that he's actually um, a voice of reason among like, you know, in this new age of overly politically correct campus culture, etc., um, he so, strikes me as the kind of guy that would say like, conservatism is a new punk rock. Like, he's he's, he's totally. that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the title, right? A breath of fresh air. <laughs> the concept, yeah, being that he's like, yeah, he he himself stands out in what is now an overwhelming culture of like this other thing, this sort of like safe, spacey, you know, liberal thing or whatever. Um, so, two. I mean, the the week regarding the special is kind of split up into two events one of the first thing being that like okay so he couldn't release this special um you know on netflix or via an outlet and so he decided to release it like just for free on youtube or on his website or whatever um it's funny because in the special he refers to the special as a tv taping so he clearly <laughs> thought that it was going to be released via he something. also very strangely calls attention to that fact like <laughs> it's weird that he framed it that way and it specifically has like graphics at the beginning that make it that it's like all the promotional <laughs> images but is it too 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 hard? edgy for netflix ed- yeah, exactly where it's like so you're telling us nobody wanted it, and <laughs> yeah. you have to put it on YouTube. It's too kind of weird for Comedy Central. It's yeah, very yeah, it's an accomplishment to not get on Netflix. Like you know, <laughs> at, his, at his fame, at his fame level, it's 
Well, that that's what's like. It's, what's funny about it is that he tries to own that, and then then relabel the whole thing as being like, "This is too hot for Netflix. <laughs> this is too. No one can handle it, or yeah, whatever." They give it to everybody now. Yeah, and it's very funny because it sort of defies like everything that he's also arguing, and all these like right wing guys are kind of arguing. And I'll get into that in a minute, but I'll just uh, real quick give the backdrop for the just the whole thing, which is that he puts puts out the special, and then he advertises it by releasing a graphic that is a Photoshop job of him giving the finger to just a bunch of like um, activists, a bunch of people of color and women uh, holding like Black Lives Matter signs and stuff like that. And uh, I think maybe is there like an AOC in the corner or something? I, I can't remember. There's just no. It's just like a crying just, girl. Crying just, girl. Yeah. Crying. Somebody's okay. wearing has like a hashtag Me Too. Right. Yeah. So right. It's and you put to, a dead activist there too. That's <laughs> the thing. Is yeah. yeah. And so Sachi caught that. I think probably. Well, I just saw somebody else's tweet, but it was just an at to Claire O'Kane's tweet. So okay. Claire O'Kane shared it, and then somebody was like, "That's my friend," and I was like, "That's crazy," and they shared the New York Times thing. So then I like did a bunch of digging, and because I got caught up in it and <laughs> found out that it was this guy Muhyiddin Moye, who is like a uh, prominent uh, Black Lives Matter activist who was shot in a still kind of unsolved murder. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I just shared it and I had no, I did not think it was, I really don't have that many Twitter followers. I was not anticipating Right. And you happened. didn't tag him directly I didn't tag anything. Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I saw your thread. I didn't, know, I didn't know that was you. Yeah, it was, uh, it made the rounds a lot. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. It was, <laughs> it was very weird. It was surreal for me because I just like, am not used to, I really think of Twitter as like me shouting into the air and not yeah. anybody paying attention. I think maybe because we're all like, like vaguely connected like yeah, we're closer right. to the comedy world than a lot of people that are on Twitter that, well that's like, what was really interesting about it was the um, the strange response in terms of like so first was Nick's response well not even first but let's just talk about his first which was <laughs> to quote tweet Sachi and then say very like straightforwardly I guess I didn't know that when I did the Photoshop or something like <laughs> I'll that fix yeah, I'll yeah. fix it yeah I'll fix it like apologies right yeah. which like it's so weird because it's like you made your own Photoshop for your thing that you tried to set like what's happening <laughs> yeah, here yeah he didn't even outsource it to somebody he, <laughs> he just... said oh it was a stock photo he, right he basically implied that he just googled like, Google black, black people <laughs> yeah exactly and so it was weird but it was weird in that like he addressed he apologized i guess sort of and which i don't think he would have before right so he thinks he's being a good person by being like if i just take this one guy out of the photo right. then that will fix everything <laughs> and which so is like your whole you're missing the point that you <laughs> love to trigger the libs so right. who cares right. like, who cares leave exactly. it and don't apologize the fact that it's a dead activist would have been just further the point that he was making to begin yes. with but the thing is these guys don't have any ideological no there's like, no, no internal logic consistency. And, and, and no. they don't have any real balls like they transgressed but like in a safe uh direction like someone who i think is like a rep reprehensible person but i can at least admit is uh a little smarter and can actually transgress is like uh and coulter is like terrible but she can say something like rip the 9-11 wives like say um enough already you know uh it's not it's not a free ticket for life that you know other people have lost people and even the fox news crowd was like, <gasps> and yeah. they, you know, <laughs> like, she's someone who has, like, a screw loose who will say actually kind of uh, crazy things that yeah. mess with everyone. But Nick DiPaolo strikes me as a guy who is, like, 
like stands behind the bully and you know he's young like yeah we're gonna fuck you up he's like that kind of guy the like, little short guy yeah yeah the fucking oh that's funny maybe like Joe that's Pesci and yeah. uh <laughs> Goodfellas or something yeah yeah hmm. um no you're right and Coulter is like uh she actually has a code it's the wrong code but like if you put her in a bunch of different situations she'll do the same thing every time she'll say I did this because I believe these yeah. fucking five things or whatever um yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was really bad. So he releases the graphic, and then, um, yeah, Sachi points out that it's, you give the finger to a dead guy. He immediately apologizes, sort of betraying his own thing. Um, and then there's the special itself, which uh, I don't know. I watched. Um, I, I, I've talked to a number of people. That most people said I could watch about five minutes of it. Fucking <laughs> I watched 47. This. Thank you very much. <laughs> My brain a is... true American <laughs> hero, Thank you, Lisa. thank you. Just trying to be an objective anthropologist out here. <laughs> it was but that's all I could do. Fucking exhausting. Yeah. Even for me. And I almost exclusively only watch comedy specials now if I yeah. think they're really good or really bad. Now, and this, what, did you grow up a fan of his? Did anybody? Well, so, okay. Maybe I'm the only one of age here <laughs> for that, but... <laughs> Um, I, I won't say like I was like a fan of his, but I definitely respected yeah, him at one point. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought he was funny at some point. Like I, the point of view that like, um, I think it was Gaffigan tweeted being like, here's one of the funniest guys that I know. You should watch his special. He, uh, he said something like, even when I disagree with him, I think he was funny. And I, I used to feel that way about, about Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't anymore. After watching this special. Yeah, I mean, I think he's gone off the rails, but I think he I mean, he certainly was an incredibly respected comedian. He ran yeah. in that crew with, like, Geraldo and CK yeah. and all these guys. Yeah. Exactly. No, and he had skills and he had chops. And so it was a different thing than, like, an open micer or, honestly, like, a podcaster who doesn't do stand-up just, like, running at the mile. Or, like, an Ann Coulter. See, you know, like a talking head personality. That, I think, is the most interesting take in all of this because, like, everyone sort of filed into their little ideological lanes regarding mm. this and everyone had very similar takes and like you know there are about basically a few things that were said about it a lot of people that are just sort of yeah. on the left were like this is just fucking reprehensible a lot of comedians go you know wow this guy's he sucks now etc but i think yeah. only a few people were brave enough to look at this and go what's really weird about this is he's still kind of good at comedy but he's an idiot he's a bad <laughs> person his act sucks but you can tell that within it like this is like the dead reanimated corpse of what used to be a good comedian right and yeah no I agree and then but I would say that after watching it right because I think also a lot of the people who are backing him are doing it based on I used to know this guy yeah and the thing with comedy with stand up at least I'm not going to speak for all kinds of comedy but with stand up is uh, you literally cannot stop working at being good at stand-up. You cannot stop looking at society and taking in what society's saying to you and considering your place in it and what it means when it changes and all of that shit. So the moment that you stop and you're literally saying the same shit that you were saying in 1997, your comedy becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to go back to the tweet, actually, because, like, before we talk about the actual special, because what was interesting about it was that so before he tweeted that picture, right, he had just tweeted like a trailer, like a short trailer thing. And only a couple of people famous or like his peers retweeted it. And I think it was like Bill Burr and The Cellar and maybe Gaffigan. Christine Levine pointed out to, mm -hmm. uh, to me that it looked almost like Gaffigan didn't even watch it. None of them did. <laughs> that just, is my point. Just exactly. retweeted it. No, they yeah. literally were just like, here, watch this, Adam Carolla. Watch this because this guy has always been funny. Watch this because he's my friend. Watch this because he hung out with cool people. And so none of them are actually standing on the side of this is currently good comedy. You yeah. understand me? 
And then what's funny, the other side of the response is like from his younger peers, who I guess he wouldn't consider his peers, but like um, the comics coming up now, even the ones who just got all the way from like the ones who just got late night spots to like people coming up in different scenes. This was the first time I've ever seen younger levels of comics just a not be afraid to speak out against a, an established comic yeah. yeah and b not do it out of this place of anger and i'm offended but like this is fucking hilarious and i'm gonna mock you because you suck at this okay. <laughs> like that's, that was a really great response i thought like a great shift i don't know like a great that's, something changed that's right? really interesting to me yeah because i had noticed a couple people a couple comics that went um you know that said that you know they had qualms talking about it because it's another comedian and i always thought like i've always thought that was the dumbest fucking thing about comedy is that we're all supposed to agree with each other that comedy itself is a political party right that we are all you know that it's because we're artists so we're supposed to critique each other you know but and i know this is annoying and i know that nanette fucking hannah gatsby is the mascot of this comedy show or whatever (laughs) but i want to fucking call it to draw a parallel between Uh the reaction to this and the reaction to hannah gatsby and nanette because the two things i mean both of these specials are specials that have this big you know sort of like whatever quote unquote backlash i started thinking it's framed as backlash but all that's happening well they have a like a staunchly political point of view right one of them you know being on one end of the political spectrum and one of them arguably being on the other or whatever but like in order to to understand like what our relationship is with art with stand-up comedy specials we need to look at both of these and go what is the what is consistent between both of these things and to me i mean one thing that i got a lot of shit over was like watching fucking hannah gatsby uh talking about it also talking about it before i fucking watch it when i just watched the trailer yeah, mm, which is what everyone right. did with this right. nobody watched this special and we're all talking about I it i totally agree with you <laughs> and will tell you that the opposite is also true which is that a lot of a lot of comics the rule of i don't criticize comics publicly only applies to certain comics for them it only applies to comics who are maybe just like them comics who are their friends comics who they respect comics who they're afraid of or you know who might hurt their career i find it really weird that a lot of people a lot of comics spoke out against nanette I, I, yeah, I guess what feels you different know? to me is that I don't feel like I'm criticizing Nick DiPaolo because I don't think he's funny, although I don't think he's right. fa- he's funny anymore. But they're like I'm separate cri- issues. It, I'm criticizing <laughs> yeah. him because I think it's fucked up to use a picture of a yeah. dead person yeah. to market yourself as like this edgy dude. Um, whereas Nanette, it just feel, felt like people were like, I want to say that even though I didn't watch it, I didn't think it was funny and it's not comedy. And it's like, okay, well, you do kind of have to watch it to say you didn't think it was funny. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, with what's going on with, like, this Nick DePaulo special, you can't really disconnect. There are two things happening at the yeah. same time, and they are just interwoven with each other. One is that, you know, there is an ideological offense to what's happening, which this is bad. Also, though... And uh, Steve Hernandez pointed this out on Twitter. A lot of what's going on that he's calling a backlash is just people clowning on him for right, being that's bad what I mean. at comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. It's not really the level so much like, an offended the, level. The, the way that our the you know kind of super leftist politically correct I, you know I got in trouble for calling myself an SJW although I say this shit like tongue in cheek in the mm-hmm. way that like you get called a libtard and a cuck and all this shit and you just yeah. start to refer to yourself as as a point of argument regardless the the fact that that's the side that's getting labeled as sensitive when it's like you're a famous <laughs> comic like yeah. just let people talk about you on Twitter who cares it's going to happen I'm not you famous and people this. hate me you so much you people but yeah. they think, took the bait I think because part of the marketing for those people too because I noticed 
um, there's like a backlash to backlash that happens yeah. where the whole 4chan and whatever crowd, whenever they see uh, so-called libtards getting mad at anything, yeah. then they, they just want to go thing. and support it. Support right. it. So I almost think maybe he's playing it up because then he wants that crowd to just start supporting him just to uh, trigger the I, libs. Yeah, I, ag- I agree with you. And I was even thinking of it in terms of like, how is Nick DiPaolo not a Clapter comic? Right. Like we want to believe, you know, they use that term of clapter comedy to exclusively apply to SJW, leftist. Le- no, whatever. no, it's, he's the exact same and it, thing. It's the yeah. exact yeah, exactly. same thing. It's like you if you. So let's talk about the actual special, because if you watch it, it is freaking pandering to this audience who comes to see this because they know who Nick DiPaolo is. But then, and, and this connects to me to, like, why I don't think he's a good comic anymore. Like, I think he has lost skills as a comic. Oh, absolutely. He bombed. He bombed. And he literally, at multiple points, attacked his own audience. And turned around and was like, oh, oh, too PC to laugh at that? No, it wasn't fucking funny. Oh, yeah. wow. These so are the people it, who came to see you. Oh, yeah. and you. And they didn't, and they would groan, and he would be like, oh, oh, too hard for you? In his own special. That's that crazy. is supposed to be like, the just pinnacle cut that of part his out. Dude, and so it's, like, partially you showing this like weakness in your performance because you're turning on your audience and then partially like it made me wonder do these people kind of come for this because they want to be like well i'm not as bad as this guy and so i'm still a good person like i don't i really i think 10 years ago the goal of comedy and comedians for the most part was that you wanted to be good in every room right and if you were like alt you wanted to still be able to play clubs and if you were a clubby dude you wanted to be good at like big terrific or whatever and now there's it's so divided. It's like you, the alt scene is not performing at clubs, and the club scene is not performing in these alt rooms anymore. And there's, I mean, maybe this is New York alone or New yeah. York and LA, but in a lot of these like scenes, it's ju- you can just perform it for shows where everybody already is into exactly what you put out, yeah. and you never have to feel challenged. And so even this fe- just felt like okay. You know, I don't think you would be good in most rooms anymore. Yeah. Well, that's a great insight. I didn't, really, I didn't think about it till you said it, but you're right. Um, the alt guys kind of have their own circuit now. Yeah. Where they don't even have to cross streams with. Well, no, well, the yeah. alt always was its own circuit. That was. But, it's but, why but it was I called alt. Appear. I think the point is actually something else, which is like, th- if you think about it, why it's on YouTube, right? It's weird to me that um, a few years ago we were talking about all these alternative platforms, and I mean we as in people in comedy, we're talking about all these alternative platforms as like alternate ways for people to get a platform without having to go through traditional passive gatekeeping, right? And so it was seen as this like flowering of all these different voices getting access and getting whatever. And now it's kind of like eclipsing itself to an end where there are other voices who previously came up through traditional pathways, like Nick DiPaolo, who are being shut out of these other platforms and are now having to go to YouTube to create a refuge place of like a niche audience. Like they did used to be national voices. That's yeah. what's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He did used to be. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like Sirius XM yeah. or Netflix is like, all like uber liberal no, hipster all yeah. comedy. Yeah, it's no, like, they'll put anything. It's on just that nobody shit. wants to see. It. I mean, and so, if they do, it's just not good comedy. <laughs> so I'm like, I just want to tell you guys one thing. And one and one joke, he basically equated the Me Too movement to like, I'm gonna butcher it because I always butcher jokes and it's not a great joke anyway. But he goes something like he's talking about Me Too, blah blah blah. It's terrible, right? Oh my God, poor man. 
And then he's like, and yet, I'm supposed to believe women are empowered, but every time I get on an airplane, I'm supposed to help you get that luggage up into the compartment? How about hashtag me too? <laughs> I was just like, dude, really? Okay, I understand your struggle. It's not even clever. It's funny, like we're laughing at him. <laughs> like yeah. not... Well, so, somebody pointed out that he literally, like somebody I on Twitter was like, I saw him do this joke 15 years ago. Yeah, like, yeah it's, like it's in old his stuff. Special, yeah. So he's just like not no, really. No, and we know anymore. he's not out there. And we know he's not at clubs that we go to regularly anymore. And he's not, and maybe he's doing like what governors and like shit out in Long Island that is still kind of like specified for his crap. I don't know. What is, somebody oh, he told a me show. That he, he has a radio show. He, oh, no. Is it but a Supposedly, show? like openly talks about this, but. He tours where Trump won. He just right. goes to Trump country because yeah. he, you know, he, he's he's pandering to his own of audience yeah. there. Which whatever. is another crazy thing to see yourself as like such such being like edgy and like breaking boundaries and shit when you're literally speaking for the dominant political party. Like, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. That's it's like, like he's <laughs> punching down yeah, his transgressions. Exactly. Very, but but you know you know what his jokes reminded me of in the five minutes I watched was it seemed like. Facebook dad memes, like, like the kind of things that somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. think Dude, he, thinks are clever, but if you think about them for a second, like, like the guy who says, uh, "Why is there a BET? What if there was a WET?" Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. and if you think about you it for five seconds, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is jokes work all yeah. that. Like, yeah. Obvious, obvious, yeah. obvious. The most. This is the most old white guy like comedy special. He might as well have filmed it in like the fucking seat of a truck, like yeah. with his cell phone or whatever. It <laughs> yeah. looks like one of those videos. He comes out. The first thing he has the announcer say, like he told the announcer to say this, this is the guy who's been saying what you've been thinking for 30 years, which is like a hacky line from like the 90s Mm -hmm. that like Dennis Leary used to say about himself. Did he mention Irish people were slaves at any point? Probably. I mean, it seems (laughs) like he would have brought up. He fucking, he comes out to what can only be like uh, public domain Stevie Ray Vaughan, like guitar solo, classic rock, blues, Mark Barron shit. And then he's wearing like, I got to point this out. He's wearing the uniform (laughs) of the only person in a McDonald's that's allowed to open the cash register. (laughs) The manager. That's what he thinks is cool. (laughs) It's like a fucking pinstripe shirt and a weird little purple tie and like it's all tucked into like blue jeans you know which is like a like a hallmark of like a a old shitty guys don't realize that like people don't really wear like wranglers anymore one of the things in my twitter mentions it was very there were all these weird conversations that started happening in my twitter mentions but one of the things was that somebody was like yeah i'm really gonna trust a guy who has his shirt tucked into his jeans and then (laughs) somebody else shared a bunch of pictures of obama with his shirt tucked into his jeans (laughs) and we're like you trusted obama didn't you (laughs) it's like okay sure i don't care obama is a old dorky dude yeah yeah Yeah. but But, my first how did he even know that you liked obama there's the assumption that everyone just like Hillary and Obama, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you guys. This is something I I wonder about, right? Because it's easy to like put it on him for being white and a male and stuff, but I think there's something going on with that era. There was something about the arts, and when you came on my podcast, we talked about it. But the arts is this weird space. Our, our mutual obsession is the arts. Yeah, yeah. But the 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 black people and the female comedians were kind of in the same box. Like there was this era of mm-hmm. post-racial post-sexist thing where you're supposed to act like that stuff doesn't exist anymore so everyone can punch in every direction and if you're like a black comedian in that space if you were like uh, and Chris Rock did it too with the whole black people versus n-words joke and uh, Patrice yeah um, the women were guys girls and yeah, then yeah, and yeah. the black men were like cool with whatever race stuff came up because I'm cool like that yeah, right? yeah yeah exactly and part of like you know 
being cool was that you were cool enough to let yourself be racially uh, taunted. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that's part of yeah. the whole like roast culture, right? right. It's like also, yeah. if you want to run with the boys, this is how the boys talk. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we talked about this regarding Gavin McGinnis. Yeah. The whole thing about Gavin McGinnis is that he would say like, you know. If you actually hang out with black people, they laugh when you say the N-word. And you guys are actually the people that are racist because you're, like, you know, talking about black people, like, antiseptically and from far away or whatever. And he fucking, Nick DePaulo tries to pull the same shit off in this special where he makes a joke about, like, black people eating fried chicken or some shit. And then he has to qualify it by pointing to a black woman in the audience and saying, look, I got this black lady laughing. You know, you guys, the people that are clammed up in the audience, you guys are the real racist. It sounds like, the special sounds a lot like the movie Green Book. Now that you're <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, very early on, I think I want to say one of maybe the first bits is actually about how, and I quote, uh, white European males yeah. are being persecuted, yeah. right? It's definitely... And uh, it's just insane that you would even consider that premise, right, about like the disempowerment of a particular race without ever acknowledging that same situation having occurred to anybody before that and in not having affected you in privilege or in negative ways or anything it's just this like insistence on wanting to discuss the issues of our time like inequality of power but only framing it in the I'm a victim way so was he always a conservative he was yeah. yeah he was but it was always like you gotta remember also the thing I think the key thing also about this 90s people and the odds people is um being Nick DiPaolo when Clinton was president was edgy. Yeah. Right? It was fucking the opposite of what everybody was doing. So, it, you know, there was a space for it to be like some people who did feel like they wanted to be more uh, right of everything that's being discussed in the public world. And that's my problem with him now watching his special is that if he were a good comic, he would have adapted that to be something. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this way of like... I hate to bring up Louis, <laughs> but like... No, it's like you never... Yeah, would. I know. But when the Louis shit happened, right? Uh, or I guess when he came out and things were admitted and whatever, uh, there was a lot of people talking about um, like... What was it? I, I forgot what I was going to say. I just blanked out about Louis. Oh, I get it. About when he was going to be like allowed back, right? And how long does it take for Louis to get back? And I felt really guilty because part of me did really kind of want to see Louis come back and talk about all the shit because artistically it is this great opportunity for a person who I know has the skill to do so to make art out of this horrible shit that he did you know what I mean like it doesn't mean it would forgive things it doesn't mean that oh my god he's great and he deserves it but there's part of me who as a person who loves the art who would like to see that right and so I see the same thing in Nick DiPaolo that I'm like I don't have to agree with you to see good comedy but you didn't give me good comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, on top of giving me shitty points of view, you didn't give me good comedy. Well, comments. that's an interesting point. I saw someone compare, uh, someone talking about Louis on Twitter said that, like, mm-hmm. you know, when Richard Pryor lit himself on fire for racing co- yeah. Coke, he was exactly. literally embarrassed. And then what did he do? He yeah. came on stage and he talked about it yeah. because yeah. that's a way of like artistically and what, fucking. Yeah. And what did Louis right? do? He came. I on, mean, that's he how I felt when that, that like yeah. leaked Louis shit came out, where he's awful. talking about Parkland, Ugh. and it's just hacky. It was just. Yeah. Ha- I was like, yeah. I'm. Jack Allison fucking put yeah. that on Twitter. He was going to come on the show, but he had to yeah. leave town. He was on the show last night. Um, but yeah, well, so, so okay, that's why I'm talking about this because okay, so you know, you've got this thing where these guys who are vaguely right-wing are confronted with, you know, honestly, I think what's uh, part of what's going on here is that, like, 
I have a lot of friends from back in the day, mm-hmm. like, because I'm from Texas and shit, that are, like, libertarians. Yeah. And for a long time, if you had a friend who was, like, a fucking alt, you know, back yeah. then, that's pre-alt-right, is libertarian, you would go, oh, he's a fucking weirdo, you just right. kind of laugh it off, it would be goofy, and then when Trump went down, it became a situation where you had to confront your friends and go, you have to stop this or we're mm-hmm. not going to be fucking friends anymore because this is now leading into serious yeah. shit, like yeah. white nationalism. And so because the center for those people fell out, people like Nick DiPaolo had to fucking pick a side. And if they were brave, yeah. they would have... I have a lot of friends that did this. They yeah. would have confronted it and went, holy shit, I was wrong about this yeah. and yeah. sort of like learned from there. Yeah. But if they're cowards, they fucking hide in the more popular opinion, which for them yeah. is further right-wing people. So he's like... Him and Louis are both... They're cowards they're for cowards, like pandering yeah. to. And like, I think comedians really want to be liked. I mean, that's yeah, like exactly. you, you naturally are going to gravitate towards the rooms where you are getting laughs because and they're it, cowards. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you, it, I, I would understand. Like, there are rooms that I don't do well, and there are rooms that I do well in, and you're going to want to go do the rooms you do well in. And even if that means okay, I'm playing to like a less sophisticated audience, yeah. an audience that doesn't really get why the thing that I'm saying but, is but not. That's what's funny. so crazy about comedians especially comedians like Nick DiPaolo is that yeah. they all brag about how brave yes. and yeah. subversive exactly. and transgressive they are and if you were brave you would play harder audiences yes. no, which is what like Bill Burr does absolutely and if they were to go to your point about uh, what it was like to be conservative in the 90s and aughts I think that was like the Sorkin era of liberalism where uh, conservatives were just people who loved the country as much as you do and yeah. they just have a slightly different point of view it's like you know, publicly. I'm a Yankees fan publicly. and you're a Reds. Yeah, yeah. But in private, they had a lot of the views that are being now said publicly by the Yeah, there exactly. There is an yeah. ideological yeah. base there of is a, They about. were connected. Yeah. yeah, and I think, like what Jake was saying, the Trump thing has kind of made it seem like this isn't just a harmless, you know, you like the Yankees and I like the Mets thing. This is like a serious ideological, like right. you're supporting Yeah, it's hard genocide. for comedy yeah. in general to not be political, right? If you're right. just doing like, I would say, like the Adam Sandler special was like, just like, oh, I'm not even going to talk about politics, you know? I'm just going to, like, do my silly thing. And, like, there's not that much of that anymore because you do kind of have to take a side. Right, but I will say, no, because the thing is, though, that not taking a political stance is also a political stance. Sure, okay. Because it is a matter of coming from a place of privilege where you don't feel like you need to address these issues that are affecting people around you. Yeah, of course. So you can do, like, one-liners, you can do absurdist shit or whatever, but there's a fucking quote I like a lot about this, which is that, uh, um, I think it's a David Foster Wallace thing, actually, which, I don't know, whatever, but... uh, um, you know, a, a fish doesn't know it's in water, right? Right. And uh, it's he's talking about his ideology. So, even if you don't think that you have an ideology, you are still in you water. Have, yeah, like yeah. You still you have one, exactly. So everyone kind of has one, and comedians have a choice where they can either like ex- like identify it and expressly go into it and be like a social commentary person like what Nick DePaul is doing, mm-hmm. like what Dave Chappelle does, like what, you know, all the fucking big guns like Chris Rocks and stuff yeah. like that sort of do, or you can not, but it's still going to be there. Yeah. And what he's doing is he's expressly identified his ideology. It's just that it's, he's, he picked the wrong one. Like he's like yeah. bad. Like there's, you know, multiple different lenses that you can look at everything yeah. through. And he's expressly, you know, in his own mind, bravely chosen one that is iconoclastic. In because it's society. only aesthetic. I'm only going for comedy, and it's not... Yeah, no, it's a different... Yeah. I, mean, I remember the scene of Steven Crowder doing uh, comedy once, and he had Milo on the stage behind him. I think it was on some uh, campus or something. So he has uh, that bass mom lady. I forget her name. Um, that, that, that 
older woman who kind of jumped into the whole Gamergate thing, made a name. Christina Hoff Summers, I think her name is. Okay. And some other people. And then Crowder's like playing to the crowd. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, these triggered snowflakes everywhere. And this is the kind of show that I think was being protested before um, it was allowed to happen. So it happened despite the protest. And he's like, yeah, you know, all these people can't take opposing opinions, but we're here anyway. And why don't you uh, lose some weight, you know, instead of being body positive and all this stuff. And, you know... We be like we offend everybody, and then like you know, Milo's on the stage, and he goes, and that's why you know I can be cool with this faggot here, you know, and then, you know, it was like woo, and then he goes, immediately it's okay that I call you a faggot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately just undermined the whole thing, <laughs> and then Milo's like, oh yes, it's fine, it's fine, and he goes, yeah, so like I was saying, this faggot, right? oh no, yeah, it's it was, so funny because if you yeah. if you don't like like consistently bravely make a transgressive remark like that just just asking if it's okay if you say that completely undermines uh, yeah. the whole thing and it's like you if you don't know that you can do that then you just completely destroyed the premise that you can do that like comfortably and with if your you friend. care and if you care that um whether it's gonna offend them or not then you then you're a pan you know you're, you're nick DePaulo <laughs> calls people that word a bunch in this this yeah. special like if people don't laugh at a joke he calls them a bunch mm-hmm. of fucking faggots or whatever like his own audience all yeah. yeah. if it said which is he's bombing like it's really funny you can tell through the editing also if you're like mm-hmm. kind of smart comedy wise that yeah. like the laughs are way big up top and then they fucking have to amplify them and he's, yeah. he's bombing or whatever but um i mean he d- he does that and the, it, okay so i have a beef with tim dylan in like uh, a lot oh, of i his, didn't see his take on this did he i haven't defend? he blocked me on everything i don't know oh, okay. Uh, but, <laughs> okay but um so he he rec- uh so i got a um a review on this podcast mm-hmm. a few weeks ago under the name tim j dylan that mm-hmm. was like i don't know if it was him or it was just some, someone fucking with me somebody being clever could uh-huh. have been either one yeah. um but it was like hey this you know this this podcast sucks it makes my generation look bad or whatever <laughs> um, i don't know if we're the same generation are you um, supposed to be a snowflake snowflake <laughs> podcast <laughs> i guess yeah, um, okay the fucking right-wing reactionary libertarian idiots don't know the difference yeah they don't communists yeah. and liberals um yeah but uh, especially like dirtbag, like, yeah. we're like we like mean jokes and stuff. Yeah, communists. Oh, whatever. Anyway, um, anyway, my point about this is the reason I bring it up is because uh, I've been getting a lot of hate mail from his fans that are mm-hmm. just like my email address is on my website, so yeah. they'll just fucking send me e- emails that call me a faggot, and they're like, "You get fucked in your ass. You take dicks in your sh- shitter." This is a real quote, <laughs> and they're defending Tim Dillon, who's gay, right? Yeah. And, and they're insulting me by calling me. A yeah. faggot, right? And so you go, what's the fuck's going on here? But then if you t- if you listen to Tim Dillon talk about all that stuff, a lot of the way that he's one of these like alt righty type of guys that mm. goes, "I'm gay, but I like, but don't be a faggot." Like, yeah, yeah. CK yeah. had a whole yeah. joke about that about yeah. people from the guy who says people from Phoenix are called Phoenicians. Like that guy's a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like what he's so, doing, so, is so, so Tim Dillon has his own version of black people versus N words, exactly, like, right, like, right. Like, exactly. Gay people yeah. versus. Uh, yeah, and, and but what it's doing yeah. is giving license to a lot of the people that are his to fans. To use that word as yeah. like I meant it this way, but not that way. And, so and, it's and kind of what happened to Chris Rock's fan. Like, like he said that he uh, had to stop doing that joke because it was giving like a lot of people license to just be assholes. With uh, I mean, that's kind of why like Chappelle says he quit the Chappelle show is because yeah. what he was doing was like you know he meant it one way, but it was yeah. being taken the other way. Or yeah. 
Um, another thing I want to talk about regarding the special that I think is kind of at the core of it is um, so he releases it and he uses the hashtag free speech and all these fucking guys they think it's so weird all these I, really, I want to talk about this too yeah, yeah, yeah. all these guys uh-huh. are obsessed with the concept of free speech and do not understand what it means and yeah. so what they consider they consider what they're doing they don't want to be criticized they're yeah. exactly so they, they yeah. consider themselves to be warriors of this concept of free speech and they all think of themselves as like classical liberals and like they're yeah. you know uh, fucking uh, you know they're really into like these old fucking philosopher you know concepts of free speech but I'm going to point this out, okay? The government raided my apartment a year ago. <laughs> I'm not trying to fucking get any more cash out of this. I've gone on a world tour of it over yeah. the last year, whatever. But it, it's important when I think about this stuff, when I argue with these guys, because I talk to a lot of people that are in defense of Nick DePaulo this week. And okay. what they sort of say is that, well, there's two things going on. Um, you have to admit that you know his free speech has been censored because he got fired from Sirius Radio over whatever some joke they didn't like or whatever. Yeah, yeah and about also, how the the Parkland kids should get shot. Right, and then also he released they had to release a special by himself because no one would platform it, and right. that's censorship of free speech. But the thing that they don't understand <laughs> is that capitalism. <laughs> it's capitalism. Right? <laughs> what the fuck? Free speech. Yeah. Okay, free Does speech. Does that mean is, that every co- corporation has to give everybody a platform? <laughs> Here's the thing that they don't fucking get about free speech okay? yeah. your free speech is being censored when the government comes to your house right. when another private entity in society a company doesn't hire you that's their free speech their free or when speech. a human being criticizes you on twitter yeah like right that's their free speech exactly so yeah. he's, these guys make they call everyone sent like tr- a triggered snowflakes or whatever yeah. but the fact that his special isn't being received with like un unyielding glowing praise is considered censorship of his free speech. It's just criticism, dude. You just yeah. people are just saying this sucks. Yeah. And saying this sucks. I thought is it was not- so funny in his like um response, he did this like 15 minute vlog thing where he's like responding to the controversy. And the first thing he's reading my tweet and he says, you know, I said something like, uh, you used it in a shitty Photoshop. And he goes, Shitty Photoshop. How dare you? <laughs> That's and I was, like, I was like, oh my God, you sound like like a, a, a old lady clutching your yeah. pearls. Like, how dare you? And that that's like I'm the sensitive one. Oh God! Another. No. Oh a, wait! Don't leave free speech yet because okay, okay. Um, I want to talk about it in terms of comics making that defense because um, it's something that really bothers me. And obviously, it's not new. It's they brought it up around rape jokes, around other tasteless kinds of things, and it bothers me a lot because they seem to equate um, telling you this is a bad joke with trying to control your speech. And that's not the same fucking thing. Either you are an activist whose primary concern is your free speech, or you are an a performer who's trying to make comedy and if this isn't funny you have failed to make comedy <laughs> so the the conflation of like getting negative feedback for your bad comedy somehow is the same thing as being censored. it's also like if you if you are going to bomb in front of a certain audience because they're going to get annoyed at you for you know saying yeah. some word that or like or making a, tight, a right joke or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. it's like okay that audience didn't like you like it's up to you whether that bothers you or not. And yeah. you can choose then to keep doing your stuff for people who aren't those people. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. It just makes me a little crazy. Cause I'm like, 
But then that's what a lot of people are doing. That's what a lot of comics are doing is like going and finding They're like, their, their it's group a joke. to do you it to. You don't get that it's a joke. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it didn't make me laugh. That's fine. Maybe you don't care whether it made yeah. me laugh or not. Well, but so I would put out to comics that, you know, for the last few years, that's what we have seen is a lot of people like going out and finding their own niche audiences and then performing to those audiences specifically, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. And to me, Nick, watching Nick's special is like evidence of he is somebody who for the last few years pursued his niche audience is a clapter comic is doing the same thing that you know that side wants to say all alt comics do and whatever and he did so to his detriment as a performer so performing only to these groups that had the same points of view as him made him ultimately a worse comic instead of getting better through time he ended up with a special that like is not defensible in terms of comedy and you know like uh, there were comics who defended Louis after the clip came out of him saying about the Parkland kids should get shot or whatever and the comics I saw defending that didn't defend that on the basis of like this is a good joke obviously but they defended it on the basis of process of like you recorded this without permission during a live set when yeah. he's still working on something and whatever. <laughs> that comedian which is, fucking sucks. I know, and it's like a thin thread to hang on to, but I yeah. can see it. I can understand you want to believe that he will eventually find gold in this shitty premise, right? Yeah. This is a totally different thing. Oh, yeah. This, this is, is a not, finished product right. that he put he out. presented yeah, it as, as like, like <laughs> this is my opus. <laughs> and yeah. it is fucking bad. <laughs> and so what what free speech is there to defend? Or you could defend it as free speech, it, but you can't defend uh, it as have comedy. Have you seen Chris Rock's latest uh, special? Because it's kind of weirdly reactionary. And it's like, it reminds me to a degree of like Nick DiPaolo's thing, but except it's actually funny <laughs> at times, right? Where Nick DiPaolo's wasn't, but... I think like if Patrice O'Neill was alive, or I look at Chris Rock and how kind of reactionary and free speech is his uh, stuff is coming. Like, and I see some of these women from the '90s and aughts who, as their comedy is aging, they seem to be like siding with the Nick DiPaolo's and Louis C.K.'s uh-huh. over. And we should think of Jake's point about like you know your friends who once you see how bad this is getting, you should take a side. Right. But I see there's a lot of like, uh, minority and female comedians who also are refusing to take a side or picking the wrong right. side. Well, and it's kind of an interesting thing I mean, to see happen. W- like. Within comedy, you see a lot of this. Okay, so like uh, a year ago, I fucking the comedy seller asked me to come do their like radio show yeah. and I had never listened to it because it's like, well, I mean, who, yeah. there's a million podcasts or yeah. whatever. And yeah. so I said, okay, of course, I'll, I'm a comedian, but the seller is the fucking greatest comedy room at whatever, supposedly ever. I would have told I, you I not go, to go if you asked me. <laughs> I go and do it and, and then as soon as, they asked me twice, I had told them I was out of town and then they were like, okay, can you do it this other date? And I finally come. They tried hard to get me and yeah. then when I showed up, they did nothing but gotcha questions. They were like, this yeah. guy's a fucking crazy anarchist. He doesn't yeah. believe in private property and all this shit. They did gotcha <laughs> questions and they tried to make me look crazy. And the more I, I was sitting there at this table at the fabled table in the cellar yeah. and I was looking at these two guys. I don't know who the fuck they were. They're two yeah. shitty old men in polo shirts yeah. and I was like, this is what the comedy seller puts out is conservative radio. They yeah. were just, yeah. it wasn't even comedy. They were just talking about politics yeah. and they were talking about it from a conservative, it was like Rush Limbaugh or whatever and it fucking hit me all at once. Like, oh, you think of like stand-up comedy as being neutral and of these rooms and of the, the pinnacle of it, the seller being like neutral, but really like the culture among these guys because because they eventually they get rich and they all hang out with each other and 
fruit th- and you know this is not disconnected from comedy a lot of this has to do with the fact that what you're doing as a comic is like picking apart topics and trying to talk yeah. about them and getting pushback or whatever they become free speech dorks and even like Chris Rock like even yeah. like the people of color and the women and stuff in that world they get really sucked into this culture of like uh, c- comedy itself is a right wing thing and I, I've talked to a lot of people this week most people most people thought that the special sucked a couple yeah. of them were openly reactionary and like that's fucking whatever like I got a guy who was just like Nick DePaul could kick your ass or whatever <laughs> yeah. on Twitter that was pretty funny but a lot of people that I know that were like kind of waffly but like didn't want to admit that they were like no I kind of see where he's coming from were people that just got passed at the cellar right. and are like now starting to have a stake in that world right. and now feel like they're like you know in their freshman year at the fucking at yeah. the O&A like yeah, school I mean, or whatever I think that people I think that there's like a reaction to the fact that there's a Twitter mob now and that like you can't get away with the shit you used to be able to get away with and that's not fair you know that like 10 years ago Sarah Silverman was allowed to do blackface on her show or uh, you know South Park or whatever was able to get away with things that now there's like I mean there's sketches that it get they get passed around every so often where it's like look Jimmy Kimmel did blackface or like look at this incredibly transphobic sketch that SNL did and it's like okay Maybe you can. It's not that you're not allowed to do them now. It's that people have a voice and a platform where they can react that they didn't used to have. And not just that, but society, social mores change. Like what we find acceptable, it changes. What we find funny changes. And like, I, what, you know, not to keep harping on it, like I only care about it from the comedy angle of it, but it, it does concern me a lot because what I see is, you know, as somebody who's liked stand up since I was like 10. I am seeing literally my heroes age in front of me yes. and I'm watching their material in some cases age very badly and their skills get worse because they stopped working on them and they believe that they reach some point where it, I'll always be relevant and my style will always work <laughs> and I will and it's one of the things that makes me the saddest in watching but that I have accepted as a part of comedy. There are very few comics who maintain the same voice and like have a 30 or 40 year career without listening to their audience, without listening to people and adjusting. And like, a lot of people bring up Patrice O'Neill around these conversations of like, oh, what if Patrice was here? He would say whatever. And it's like, you know what? I bet Patrice would say whatever. But the reason that Patrice worked so well saying whatever is that he fucking listened to other people. Patrice, when he talked about like white people do shit like this, it was like in the most nuanced way of like finding the darkest thing that they liked and the pop culture that yeah. like he paid attention to <laughs> this thing about their the likes. Fight Club is so fucking. That funny. is my favorite thing on earth. <laughs> that thing where he like dis- or when he does the Radiohead yeah, song yeah, yeah, where yeah. he yeah. dissects the Radiohead. <laughs> so and and part of that is the fact that non-white people have always had to adjust to white culture and absorb white culture because that was the dominant culture. But that just means that we're more used to it all the time, you know? Yeah. But white men now are finding themselves in a place where instead of learning that skill of listening to everyone around them and then adjusting, and that's what I meant about like sort of defending Nick DiPaolo, was like, if he had continued through time listening to the people that he thinks he disagrees with, his jokes would be more nuanced. His like it wouldn't seem like he's an old grandpa who doesn't understand society, right? Yeah, I mean <laughs> you know, that's like, the difference between like relitigating yeah. something that is like twenty years old exactly. and being like, look, this is homophobic now, versus like you chose to do that in twenty nineteen. Exactly. Like, Absolutely. You knew all this stuff that's yeah. going on and you and you knew that like it's not punk rock to be conservative. It's yeah. like they are the dominant culture and yeah. they like Fox News is 
funded by the richest people in the yep. world and you're going to act like you're subversive for being on the side of like the wealthy bankers yeah yeah that's crazy it's crazy so. yeah well i mean th- those people like i mean his perspective on like the fox news things uh, you know there there is a reason that everyone that believes in that shit believes that they are they are the underdog and then also conversely on the other side like the the other side of his coin which is like sort of uh you know the top of the underdogs like, <laughs> like i'm the well, king of the underdogs like the people he's sort of satirizing which is like you know clapter pandery like sjw liberal comics that are kind of equally brainwashed by like say msnbc or something yeah are also considering themselves the underdog. And it's weird because they are two sides of the same coin. Like the real underdogs are people that aren't represented by either of those fucking things. Who is that now? Who, who is he mocking? Like the John Stewart of the nineties or, I mean, I honestly, you know, I think that he probably thinks of himself because he's a comedian and because when you, you know, move to New York to do stand up, you are suddenly, I, I feel this way and I'm not a fucking right wing idiot, but like, you move here and you're suddenly surrounded by people that are frustrating because they don't understand what it's like to be poor and live in middle America right. and their coastal elites and all this stuff. And then you have a decision there. And I think like, you know, if we had the fucking means and the information to, to, to make this uh, an option 10 years ago and a million years ago, then, you know, what you would have done is what we're trying to make happen here at the show, which is, Hey, don't fucking become a reactionary, join yeah. a union and, you know, learn that the problem yeah. is capitalism and not fucking, you know, the, your fellow American or whatever, yeah. your fellow person. But like what, for a lot of those people, I mean, I get why it does feel, it is frustrating being around like snobby liberals who also have a lot of ideological fucking bad takes and stuff. But yeah, but hold on a second though. though. No, but hold on a second because like, um, I feel like libertarian comics take this point of view a lot of like both sides are bad and they're both like two sides of the same coin. And it's like, fine. I agree with the, they're both pandering. Both sides are pandering, but you cannot call them the same when one side is pandering to a crowd that is actively making policies that hurt humans, that fucking cause pain, that destroys families, and then the other one is pandering to we should care about people's feelings and but, we should care about I people's think it rights. Dep- I think it depends on what you're calling the other side. Because if you're calling the other side like a Hillary centrist liberal, or by other side, do you mean like an SJW? Because I think that's when it gets tough because... To me, like the MSNBC type of centrist crowd kind of passes a lot of the same harmful stuff, but with like a smiley face on it. Right, that's what I mean. Like Obama's droning all these people. Mm -hmm. And And that's what Nick DePaul thinks he's pointing out. Is like, you guys are all safe, spacey, fucking friendly liberals, but you support like a guy who does drone strikes and like the Clintons and they fucking destroy the country and all this shit. And you can't really conflate them because the... SJW types will get on Obama as hard as they get yeah, on. Yeah, they're yes. right. Y- y- yeah, so we know that, but Nick DiPaolo does not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nick DiPaolo wants to say, and that's what to your point of like who you're calling the other side. I think both sides tend to paint the quote unquote other side as like one monolithic thing. They, they look at it as the yeah. worst representation. Yeah, of that is side. is everything, and partially to me that's why I don't like centrists yeah. <laughs> because to me you contribute to the problem by not taking a side. Yeah. But um, I I think they. It's ultimately wrong to say they're equally bad. Those, yeah. those two extremes, oh, 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 yeah. they're not equally bad. Yeah, but that's uh, that's what I mean. all, like, that was my uh, only point. When you're saying both sides are equally bad, if by the left side you're talking about the Hillary Obama types, then you know I would agree with Jake that you can say they're kind of equally bad because they're both kind of passing or doing the same things. But if by both sides you mean like 
the Black Lives Matter, um, Me Too, or you know, sex worker feminists, and Nick DiPaolo, then I would agree with you that you can't say that. Uh, well, that's that's what's complicated about this is that when people like you know, like Republican libertarian dorks like Nick DiPaolo look at the left, they conflate right. like yeah. all of it. I'm not defining the sides. They conflate I'm the saying w- that they conflate one like every like extreme the, of these sides yeah. conflates the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. and you what you do is you create a composite of yeah. the worst parts of like. SJW types and like MSNBC yeah. rich elite types and like whatever the worst part of the entire spectrum of the left yeah. is they combine into one fucking like person and then yeah. we, you know people kind of do that when they look at them too which yeah. is you know which is why like I don't know I mean there is uh, I it's mean, why they have terrible fans oh, the reason one thing that, that was one thing that was yeah. frustrating to me about like the backlash and the like people defending him and his poster was like a bunch of people did some research into it and figured out that like a black uh, guy killed black black Mohidi yeah. Moye and that, they, that that was indicative of black on black crime and also that like um, you know oh he wasn't killed by a police officer so therefore what's your point mm-hmm. and that Nick DiPaolo didn't know so therefore it's not his fault which all of those takes to me seem supremely fucked up because the point is that you conflated all of them. Yeah. Yeah. The point is that you looked at Black Lives Matter and people saying Me Too, and to you, they were just some annoying person yeah. who's too le- far left for you. As opposed to women who are asking not to be raped at yeah, work. Yeah, literal rights don't black matter. black men who are asking yeah. not to be shot in the street. And that's annoying to you and like indicative of some kind of like free speech, whiny liberal. Yeah. Well, his brain is rotting out of his fucking skull. Sure, and yeah. He's like an old. I mean, that's, well, that's but, what that yeah. is. You know, but no, but it, this is an interesting but he point. He could be critically like, thinking about this yeah. stuff and working through it. Right. And that would be fucking interesting. Yeah. You know, maybe if he fucking worked on it. Well, I don't if know. He, if well, we he, hope. Right. But <laughs> over the course of fucking ten, if he yeah. had kept. I'm not even to willing point. to give him that much. But I'm saying like that would have been the only saving grace of having like a shitty point of view is if you could find this. Pain. But. It, you know, to go back to like the responses on the on Twitter and whatnot, like this is another weird result of this whole like having your niche audience that you pander to, which I think matters in terms of like podcasters are doing it a lot now. Like a lot of people are finding their specific audience to perform to, but then they are not really concerned with the type of people that they're attracting, or like are they not aware? You know when. Nick DiPaolo sees people responding and they are, you know, they're including him in the response yeah. and they're saying things like, well, who cares about that black guy? Another black guy killed him. You know, like, that's why aren't you mad about black on black crime? How does Nick DiPaolo read this? And it's just like, yeah, cool. Unless you actually agree with that thought also. So well, you're a fucking piece of shit. So there's this like, um, opium legion of skanks. I mean, whatever. I can get into it. Even come town. I would go to so far as to say. I was about to bring him up. Well, yeah. Where you're like, Come town, I know those boys. I like those boys. I think they are nice, intelligent boys who ultimately have good intentions. They say toxic shit sometimes. And as a result, their fans are fucking terrifying. (laughs) They are, you know, and I'm not, you know, obviously not all of them. What do I fucking know? But what they're doing (laughs) is like a couple things about come town, right? So like what they're doing is they are kind of the only people that are able to get away with what they're doing because it's so expressly ironic where when you watch, when I watched this special, I was honest, I was watching Nick DePaul and I was like, if he was doing this come town style and he was being ironic, this would be actually kind of funny. (sighs) I know. But he wasn't. And that's like this weird line that a lot of them walk. And with come town, they have fans that don't get that it's ironic. And then you've created 
a fucking legion of monsters. Well, people also, right. things catch on through irony. So right, a lot exactly. of slang catches yeah. on through irony. You're people still, start you're to still say, it. when yeah. I was in high school, like the shitty kids all called everything gay. Yeah. And then the smarter kids started calling things gay to make fun of the shitty kids. Yeah. Right. But then they were just saying that everybody was gay. Right. Yeah. And you're like, you started doing this ironically, but you're just adding to the problem. Yeah. Now we're all fucking saying it. Yeah. This sucks. I've been thinking about it a lot because I like, that's my sense of humor. Like yeah. I love that sort of shit and I'm friends with those fucking Comtown idiots yeah. and like I like irony but I honestly think as like an artistic movement in comedy it's coming to an end kind of because yeah. like yeah it is literally like wildfire like you can't yeah. contain it. Yeah I, I think it's like a social experiment that kind of like failed because so many of those old ironic um, ironically racist uh, people I think as time goes on a lot of them either became racist or the bits didn't just age well and it's like you look back and you think what great um anti-racist or anti-sexist legacy did you leave like you know like nothing i feel like it just kind of uh, it's the same thing to me as like the way that people worship like Tony Soprano or Don Draper or um, oh yeah Walter Bra- White Walter White. It's yeah. like that those characters are meant to be bad people, yeah. yeah. And yet th- this like fan base of like teenage boys grows up thinking like this guy's the fucking man, and I'm gonna be him but, when but, I grow up. But I'll take it one step further. I think that's not an accident. I used to think that. I don't believe it anymore. I think. Walter White, deep down, the creators mean for him to be cool. No, Don Draper, deep down, because that finale. They specifically have talked about how they were bothered by the fact that people made a hero out of the main character. I think they're lying. I think they have to say that because they have to say it because they can get the critics and because that end, the guy makes his car into a portable Mad Max machine. I'm sorry. That's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I hated like, that show and I hated that character. Oh, I love that show so much. Once, but w- once they had that, I was like, like I was uh, watching the, the that. show. Clearly made him cool. It like, made, it made, it made him a hero. It made yeah. him cool. And, and he's an antihero. Yeah. And yeah. When, when I was watching it, I was one of those people who used to think, "Oh, those stupid uh, bad Walt fans. They don't get he's supposed to be bad." And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Okay, he just rigged." Uh, exploding machine gun car that killed a bunch of white supremacists and I'm like you know what I was fooled I was wrong those guys actually got the show better than I did like uh, this is like the bad, the most badass western death whenever you watch like Mad Men or Sopranos like Tony Soprano he's like kind of meant to be a dick but he's meant to be like a dick who gets his way like I think they kind of skirt that. And I feel like that's kind of the problem with ironic racism a lot of times is it's a cake, it's the same thing. Like, I'm going to get my cake and eat it too. I'm going yeah. to, I'm well, going I mean, to. When you're get at the, the top of your career, if you're, you know, Bill Burr or Dave Chappelle or these people who are like releasing these specials and making millions off of them and performing for thousands and thousands of people, to me, it's just like you wanted to take that opportunity now to be like shitty about trans people. That's your, that's like the thing that is like, so important to you to stand on a high horse and say this shit like i I, I, i'm not a person who wants to censor comics but i'm like you're a master like well you know i think do a master class they get stagnated the second they get successful and they because if they were like 
working at it and right, like thinking exactly. really hard and thinking critically every day about what they were talking about they wouldn't all do the same fucking jokes about Jesse Smollett totally agree yeah. but there's also something we should think about in terms of like a bigger like a uh, view of this which is the idea of like does society make art or art make society which is neither because it's both right right so it is this matter of like what you put into society whether you wanted to put it there ironically or whatever the fuck it's still in society now and then other people pick it up and do something different with it which then becomes maybe not ironic or maybe not whatever and it it's crazy to me to want to ignore what our society puts into art right like we're always talking about how like video games fuck up kids and how rock and roll is the devil and makes christians but i don't think those things are that true I think it's not. I no. think that. Okay, so I mean, like the the Marxist concept of this is that the fucking culture is an end result of society and not the other way around, and that like people in America are insane because they have it backwards. But that's how. So that's, I don't think it's entirely true. I'm right, not a because pure Marxist the, about this because he lived a million years ago when we have the fucking internet and shit. But right, like, no. So the problem is I think people put too much stock in like the fact that like culture sort of manipulates people. I think it does to some extent, though. Right. So what I'm saying is it's not just one one direction. Yeah, is my point. So both. the problem is that sociologists like Marx and others uh, tend to think that uh, like look at everything in the world as top down right it, society is a system that exists and but creates people this is a bottom up thing right that's a psychology thing so okay. then psychology people want to do the bottom up I'm saying anthropologists will tell you it's it. both at the same time okay. right and so this idea of what art puts into the world being seen without what we put into art right so yeah. the reason we put into art things like this is what makes a manly man that's cool and like a hero is because that idea already exists in our culture. It didn't come out of the, you know, like Breaking Bad writer's heads. They didn't invent it. Nick DiPaolo didn't invent his shitty takes. They are affected upon by society and then they create art that is part of society and affects others, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that culturally I think we have going on that is part of this conversation that not a lot of people think about is our idolization of artists, right? And everybody wants to like talk constantly about Louis and about whomever as like, they're great. They achieve some kind of greatness and somehow that means they're always gonna be great. And there is no magic behind art. There is no magic behind talent. It's literally, you have it and you work at it and then you can produce, but you have to keep working at it. It's not, you can see it in painters and movie makers and like everyone. You just because you made one good thing doesn't mean you will always make good things. Yeah, I think that the Nick, uh, I'll call them the Nick Dipologists. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Would, well would say that because uh, somebody's laughing, it's yeah. funny. Right. Exactly. Which yeah. I don't. I mean, to me, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, you found somebody to laugh at it, but if the majority of people sit in front of this and find it not funny, to me. I don't know. Well, but that, then that's also like, that, okay, there's also weirdo shit that I find funny. Right. Th that's another thing I want to talk about because, yeah. you know, art is like subjective. Yeah. And I think that another big mistake he's making is that he is, um, he's conflate, he's conflating to a bunch of different things. And that's, that's where he's fucking up is that he's trying to sort of have his cake and eat it too, which is, um, okay. So one thing that's weird about stand up is that it started and continued through the arc of sort of a monoculture like creating itself and then going away. And so a lot of us still have our heads 
like wrapped around comedy in the idea that when I create a special, it is going to be in the monoculture. It is going to be seen by everyone and be evaluated by all of like America at least and sort of be this flat thing. And in reality, I mean, he couldn't put this thing on TV. He had to put it on the internet. And so, and also by nature of him touring in Trump country and stuff, what he's doing is he's kind of like a podcast now. He's kind of a thing that aggregates its own audience, which is a thing that like, most m- most culture is like that now. Like Game of Thrones is like the last water cooler TV show. Yeah. After this, everyone's gonna be like, "What are you watching? I'm watching this other thing." Like I'm yeah. Like we, Game of Thrones I, or Marvel movies, like basically all the Marvel monoculture we have left. Yeah. After that, I mean, what's gonna happen is uh, also you need to talk about Come Town a little bit because okay, so like Come Town is this offensive, fucking toxic, crazy irony show, right? But. It's not really that controversial because everyone knows that knows about it knows that you know if you want to listen to it you have to go to a fucking thing and then download it subscribe to it go to it actively it's not being pumped into your living room right. you don't walk into the room and your teenage kids oh my god what are you listening to yeah. like it's like it's you have to go find it and so because of the the relationship that we have with like media and art has flipped like that instead of it coming to you you go to it yeah. then it's Arguably, you could say, and I tell this about Town a lot, it doesn't matter because the people that are going to like it, they go there for it. It's like a fucking movie that has an NC-17 sure. rating. It's all the warnings are there up front. It's, you know, you you went to the fucking pornographic website and said you were 18 and then went into it. You know, like those, the assumptions are all like left at the door. Whereas like what Nick is doing is he's trying to present that. Not, not, DePaulo. DePaulo, not, <laughs> not, not Mullen. He's trying to present this special like it's a monoculture thing right. while putting it out there as a niche thing. He's yeah, like right. an indie band That's now. That's a good point. Yeah. And so all these arguments he's making, he's making them as if he's bravely talking to America when what he's really doing is he's talking to his, to own, his fans, own fans, which yeah. are like people that already agree with him about all this shit. And like really like that kind of is central to the concept of what it is to be the type of comedian that he is. Yeah. You can't, I mean, what's the point really? If you're going to go niche, go super niche about your politics. Openly be yeah. like, you know, this is, I mean, this fucking show is for people that like this show. Yeah. Like, I don't know who the fuck listens to it, but I imagine it's a bunch of fucking Chapo people or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, he is sort of presenting the idea as if he is transgressing and blowing people's minds and subvert, mm-hmm. like he's like triggering a bunch of, yeah. the fucking graphic is him flipping off a bunch of people like as if he's confronting them but he's actively not doing that right he made a niche thing and so when you I guess the other thing is irony right so to go back to this concept of irony and like is it okay is it is this a dangerous thing I don't know because you know I know a lot of smart people listen to come town that aren't idiots and then I also get fucking harassed on the street by their fans (laughs) so like there's both like some people that listen to that show are are legitimately having their brains warped by it because they're 14 years old and shit and then some people are like adults and they're like I like watching this messed up fucking thing because I got through all the normal stuff you know which is we do that with art I mean that's why we have a fucking rating system or whatever so I don't know Um, I kind of think like because the mono, this monoculture split thing happened that I'm describing, like irony, I mean, it's kind of like this, like it can be contained, I think in a space like come town where it's like everyone going in knows that this is ironically a safe space for yeah. this thing to happen. But I don't know. No, I get your point. Well, I get your point yeah. that it's not like, as, it's not like pumped into you against your will, like on bus stops or whatever, but it is not, um, 
no no cultural product can be contained unless literally nobody sees it because what's going to happen is and i'm not arguing that irony is dangerous and should not happen i'm just saying even if in this niche version of it all the 14 year olds who are hearing that they grow up to make their own art and do their own thing yeah. and affect other people so no matter what even if they never directly say this is because i heard it from come town there we see it in all artists you're, yeah and when i read affected, about this stuff and yeah. when i'm like offended quote unquote yeah. by something in you know that i think is fucked up that somebody's saying in their joke or in whatever like the reason i'm sharing it is not because i want to fight with the person who made it the reason yeah. i'm sharing it is because there are people that i like and respect who like and respect that person yeah. and I want them to see that like there is something somewhat dangerous about us all like just giving a pass to certain people to say and do whatever they want yeah, yeah. because we think that they're smart and funny enough yeah. to get away with shit. But that's a big part of the whole concept of popular art is that we're all sitting around talking about this and so hopefully fucking yeah. moving past it in some way and then you know we all go make things that are better having thought about yeah, all this Yeah totally stuff. and so thinking like, about it if you want to say it in a, like a less challenging way um, because I think you know I guess especially right wing comics <laughs> if we can call them that when you like try to have these conversations they see it as like censorship and that kind of stuff and it's like let's let's take away it's dangerous for you to do irony or say certain things and let's just try to always recognize that words always have alternate action like consequences and meanings than what you intended like it cannot only be people will understand what i meant by these words and actually nick DiPaolo in the fucking special says at one point something like he said some sh i don't remember oh, what yeah, word he gets he, mad that somebody's trying to tell him what words, what words mean. mean and it's like yeah, that's how language works. <laughs> that is yeah. why we invented language. So that when you say a word, I understand what this word means because yeah. we all share the same meaning. And now if you're using it and a lot of people are telling you that's not what it means anymore, yeah. you have to listen to that. That is how words work or else people stop understanding what you're trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to figure out in terms of like the irony thing, because I'm like, I'm sort of like, I'm trying to come to grips with the fact that the type of comedy that I grew up on and yeah. think is funny might be... Let it go, Jake. Wrong. But how though? <laughs> how though? How do we defeat it? Because the thing is, when you when I watch this hmm. special, okay. what he's doing, and the thing that I that kind of made me happy watching this is how brazenly dated it is. I know it you is. You can tell when something <laughs> yeah. sucks and it's old yeah. and it's old people shit and it's going to be fucking shut out the door yeah. by new smarter people that are moving in. Yeah. And that's what's so funny about the special is just so fucking old and dated and bad. Yeah. But I mean, you know. Artistic movements, they, you know, I mean, they they sort of bubble and form like a little fucking like a, a, a critical mass, and then someone new comes along and bursts it and breaks the paradigm, and then everything moves in that direction, and then right. they sort of volley back and forth like that. But with like irony, like I don't know, like has someone come along? Because I'm not gonna think that Come Town's not funny until I don't think it's funny. Like until right. I listen right, right, to right. it, and then it it feels like when I right. listen to the Nick DePaulo special and go like. And the other the other thing that's yeah. weird about this is that it's hard. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm bringing up a third crazy thing. No, wait. Before you do that, because okay. I think what you're saying about the bubbles, you also have to remember that those previous bubbles of being replaced by a new thing were also happening in, in like a almost single channel world, right? right. Where the there was culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where there were only like particular platforms for theater right. and for music right, and right, for whatever. Right. Very atomized. Now. And it was that's it. And so now we're seeing. Maybe irony or any or X type of art never gets completely supplanted by something else. Well, nothing but gets it gets supplanted by anything yeah, else. Yeah, but so many things exactly pop up that now it's like um, cannibalizing audiences and dividing them into I, different I have a question, things. I have a question for you guys, right? Like, 
I look at what Nick DiPaolo and what um, Chris Rock even and all of them kind of represent, which is this kind of like old man shakes your hand in the cloud thing, you know, yeah. from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like, but something that I feel too is I feel like a lot of I don't want to call them SJW comics. I feel like there's a better word, but I can't think of what it is. But there's this kind of new type of comic that's on the right side of uh, history Politics, or the culture, yeah. but they're just not really funny. Cause it's a just lot the of same it's, thing. It's the same thing. It's, it's just, just clapter for a different yeah, audience. Yeah, just clapter for a different audience. And it's like, I feel like a lot of that is what Nick DiPaolo is kind of raging against in his in Right, his, but, in his I, but that was the whole point, I think, is that he, it's ridiculous of him to rage in that way. Yeah. Because he is, because he is yeah. exactly like that. <laughs> like, to give an example, I there's these. I'm trying to think about shit. I don't know their names, so I can't name names if I wanted to. But there was okay. I was watching this show called um, The New Negroes, and mm-hmm. on The New Negroes, they had some um, people who came on, and some of them like hit these kind of um, check boxes. Like when the, when the guys was like a, a black guy who was a nerd, and he worked <laughs> nerdiness into his. Yeah. Um, things and but the jokes were kind of like hacky like one of the jokes was that um peter parker should have been a white rapper because he's from queens he's from queensbridge which he's not he's from forest hills Mm -hmm. so he wasn't getting the nerd stuff right (laughs) right uh and he did this whole um spider-man rap but it was just really really um Painful, yeah. you know, and I don't but, like most stand-ups. So well, I mean, but look, but, 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 but I feel like I feel like nerds of color is like a thing now that you know. Oh, dude! When I first moved here, like one of the one of the things you notice if you're in the fucking stand-up trenches all the time is that yeah. like every month there's a new person that everyone is just aping. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when I first moved here, every comic was like a Lucas Brothers Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, that, that type of guy. But, but but at least Hannibal, like I think. Has like the chops, but I feel like the lesser. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Hannibal does, but the millions of people that are emulating him don't. Well, look, I will. I will tell you what I think the answer is to that, which is that, um, you know, uh, from a lot of these older, mostly white club comics who were previously established and successful, you can hear a lot of them complaining about how like. Oh my God! It's so much. It's like white men are over, and if you're a person of color, a woman, or a trans person, all the industry wants you, and they're gonna hire yeah. you no matter what, even if you're not funny, right? And that's their complaint, and it's a stupid fucking complaint because there have been shitty, mediocre white men doing comedy yeah. for decades, on TV, on all, you know. So, really, the mechanism that we're looking at is people in the industry who are bad at their jobs and who are choosing people who are not good at comedy, but they're choosing them because a famous person vouched for them, because they were already on another TV thing, because they became famous on another entirely different platform. That's why they chose mediocre white men, right? Now, there is a social push for let's find more voices and like we want to hear people who have different points of view and different styles of comedy. So then you take these same shitty industry people who are not good at their job, which is not all of them, but some of them, Especially if they've been in their job for thirty fucking years doing the same shit. Sounds in the like same you got way. a bone to pick with these people, Louisa. It's been my like decade long bone, <laughs> but it's true. If they've been doing this the same exact way, and that's how they picked mediocre white men in the nineties, yeah. then of course this is the way that they're picking people of color and women. Not all of them, again, but it does mean that sometimes they miss and they hit, they like hi- uh, hire or book somebody who probably exhibits potential, but is not ready yet. 
and they pluck them early because they're so desperate to seem like they're in touch and they are and they haven't done the research right so exactly they, they will be like oh well this agent i trust gave me this exactly. one black person and that's the only black person i know yes. and so rather than go to a hundred black clubs and actually find the exactly. funniest person i'm right. just gonna take this person i just want to give an example because i was trying to give an example and i thought of one and i apologize if anybody's friends with these people <laughs> the, the two dope queens um when i watch like their show like they have this kind of stick where it's like a liberal wine mom white wine moms imaginary bet uh, black bestie mm-hmm. you know and that's like the kind of image they go for so they're doing this kind of like black woman comedy but they're clearly doing it for like you know for white, white women yeah right and then they get a bunch of people filling that role kind of in the roster so then person after person comes out and they'll do like a box explainer about something about black people or gay people of color or whatever there's a lot of clap there and all this stuff but in a weird way i guess it is kind of progress because uh yeah i think i think the thing that okay so if you look to at like the introduction of you know any minority group to uh the mainstream it usually comes in like two ways one is they're going to be a palatable version that's like close to a straight white man so a woman who talks like a man a black person who talks like a white person or or it's the person who fulfills the stereotype of that thing who's doing an over exaggerated version that everybody can be like ha 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 this black person acts the way i think black people act Mm -hmm. um so I think that same thing is happening in stand-up where, like, of course, those are the first couple of people. But but to me, like, what convinces me that it's worth it that even though, like, some people are going to come through who you don't necessarily think live up to the standard and, like, you know, there's this complaint that it's hard to be a straight white man in comedy yes. right now because nobody wants Boo. that is, like... <laughs> Okay, so we, let's say there's a couple of comics who are women or who are black people or who are gay who I don't think are as funny as the white dudes that I'm used to seeing. Hopefully, those people will mentor and bring in the next yeah. generation of funnier people. Is that how their... that works, though? I mean, do you bring in people in your own, like, checkbox identity? I, like, yeah. yeah, I think 100%. Yeah. I, I think kind of do and I kind of like, don't. Issa nah, Rae yeah. and Lena Waithe and Donald Glover and whatnot are le- now, like, Jordan Peele are respected enough that they can be like, here's the next wave. And, and, and let's go back to the white guys uh, before that, because that is exactly, like, well, sure. how you chose your... Who, people forget that okay. comics are gatekeepers. You're right. the first line of gatekeepers. Keepers. You get to choose who, who you put on your podcast, is. who opens for you on the road, who you tweet about, who you have open on your TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and most of the time, look at look at Tough Crowd. I love Colin Quinn. I love you if you ever hear this, Colin Quinn. But what was it? Ninety percent white guys because he's yeah, yeah. a fucking white okay. guy who hangs out with a bunch of white guys. Let me, let me talk about this. It wasn't though. malicious. Here's the thing. Know? My take on this, and I I'm gonna fucking uh, make a big uh, reach here and talk okay, about go. shit I have no business talking about because I think that I'm everyone because I'm biracial um, <laughs> I think that I seem see I sometimes I don't get booked because they're like we don't need white guys and sometimes I don't get booked because they're like we don't need Mexican guys yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like I'm uh-huh. like I see I get the frustration on yeah. both sides of this thing and my thing is I think that no one understands if you had the full perspective the thing you're really frustrated with is the fact that it's not a meritocracy at all it's, right. it's a big it's, it's a not network. a fair yeah. thing so it's not I do un- I honestly Everyone makes fun of white guys for being frustrated because they're like, I keep getting told that they, they don't want to book white guys. Yeah. That is frustrating if you're a white guy because you fucking you get told well, we don't want you, and it's because and it's because 
you know, you're being like told that it's well, you're you're guilty of having like this privilege. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This okay. this privilege, which is that you know, you guys all worked together and created the system, but. Like there are a lot of people on this planet, and right. so usually you're talking to somebody who had is, has not been connected to any of those. I people. know, but I'm just gonna back up to like I was told that they don't want any more white guys. I want one comic to say to my face who was the person that told them to their face that they were not hired because they're a white person. Because I guarantee you that this happened maybe like once in the last year and that these comics, like they tell each other this and it becomes an idea they want to believe. Hold on, let me finish. To justify why they're not achieving successes at the rate that they want to achieve them. it. It is because, and I'm saying this from the point of view of Jake, as a booker and as a person who knows a lot of bookers, I don't know one of us who has ever told a comic the reason why we didn't book them. We don't sit there no, and tell you. Never you never tell anyone. You will never <laughs> sit there and tell a comic, hey. I've never told anyone they're not funny. Never. I've never told anyone that I don't like them. Absolutely I've, not. No. Yeah. Because we understand that this is your passion, your art. You have delicate and egos. It's so, so, so competitive. There are so many comics yes. in this city. Right. So it's like, okay, did you really think you were better than the thousands of other comics? You don't yeah. get told that, but you do like pick no. up on the right. fucking so culture. You, wanna, that's you, wanna you, you get something? on a Facebook and people no. are like, oh, fucking kill all white men and shit. And you're uh, didn't, like, so you're assuming. You're like, so you're you're connecting, and that's an, what I'm saying. It's an anxiety saying. you have. It's an anxiety you have, and yeah. it's you projecting your shit about why I'm not succeeding right. into it must be this reason. But don't you think but that happens on the other side also? Uh, with people of color, you mean? Yeah. Oh, with when they think that they're being discriminated empower against. Empower people and, and uh, marginalized um, people. I wouldn't. I, think I wouldn't go so far as to say that um, a person of color has never imagined something that wasn't there because we're all humans and misunderstand things that we say and do to each I'm other. I'm going to be a fucking horizontalist anarchist about okay. this. Okay. I think the problem is that you're both. Cons- it's both people that have an anxiety and a pathologization. Or a, I just butchered that word. Gotcha, gotcha. Patholo- <laughs> they're, yeah. have a pa- they're pathologized uh-huh. about the fucking, the anxiety they have about how the system is working against them. Have too much faith in the system itself and also that this is like right, a but capitalist. If you're saying, but if you're saying, that this I is like a free market capitalist that- thing that if you're good at, you'll rise to the top of. I feel way better after figuring this out. I think you that when you're, you're assuming good privilege. at. You're yeah. assuming good at. Because that, what you just said, assumes you are objectively good and you know you're objectively good and you deserve X and but now you're looking for a reason that you didn't get X. It's, okay, I think that's also, it. when we sure. started here, when we went, Louisa and I both been in the city for about 10 years and it was like, it was very, very common for lineups to be four white guys, five white guys, yeah, six white guys. all white guys. Uh, it was, yeah. I there mean, are shows a lot I of booked. white people in America, lot, though. But there are a lot of white comics in New York City. There are a lot of male comics in New York City, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you go to an open mic or a UCB 101 By class, the way, I don't care if anyone gets booked. I hope all comics die in a fire. Like, I'm not defending comedians <laughs> yeah. here. I, like, and I get it. Like, I, you know, I try now, I book 51st Jokes, and it's supposed to be, you know, a representation of the comics in New York. This was the first year that we had 25 women on. Like, that was crazy. And maybe that is, like, I was pushing disproportionately. There are more women comics. Uh, there are more male comics in the city, and yet I was, like, disproportionately yeah. pushing women forward. I don't know. But, like, to me... I just booked the people that I thought were funniest with an eye towards like, but that's I don't also, want it to be but all straight th- That goes dudes. back to this yeah. idea of like, art makes the world and the world makes art. So yes, we are supposed to do art that reflects the world, but how can you n- 
not recognize your opportunity to put something different into the world in order to change what the world is. Art is not about constantly reifying the status quo and only presenting audiences with unchallenging concepts and the things that they want. So this idea of like wanting different voices in comedy is somehow wanting less quality work is ridiculous because it's obviously about bringing more of this better, challenging thing to this audience. Right. Not I, when I used to, when I used to book these numbers. shows and they were regularly five white guys, I would never do that anymore. And I don't know yeah, what that is in me or in society that made me change my mind about that, but I would never let a lineup be five white guys me anymore. Either. And yeah. so now, yeah, sure, maybe that means there are fewer spots for white guys, but that is that... Like when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Thing, White guys where it's don't like, understand that they're in water. It's a right. thing they don't understand. Yeah. Privileges well, you don't understand. And not understand just that. Here's the thing: if we all agree that that means there are less spots for white guys, let's say this week, right? It doesn't mean that there are less spot, spots for like really talented, really fun to work with, uh, really responsible, always show up on time, know that they're always going to do a great job, white guys. Right. It means there's less spots for, maybe I should take a chance on this person who is not consistent, on this person who is not polite, on this person that nobody wants to work with, on this person. Those are the people who are not getting chances, the right, mediocre right. and below white guys. So if Th- those you... Those are also the guys that have the pathologization. Right. Where and they're it's, like fucking, exactly. They but, so it's anxiety. a you thing. It's not a fucking... But I understand, yeah. I understand the qualm. Like, there are white dudes in the city who have been working at comedy yeah. for a long time who I think are super fucking funny. And it is probably going to take them longer to get to the place that yeah. they want to get to than... I'm saying all this also as a book. Like, I book yeah. shows, and sometimes no, I'm know, like, I, I don't want a bunch of white guys. This sucks for you guys. I'm never... It's going to take you a year to get on my show because there's a million yeah. of you, yes. and I only have a certain few slots. Yeah. So, like, just systematically, I'm like, this is... That sucks, but yeah. also this isn't important. This is a comedy show and yeah. not a fucking job. But you also, know? you know, like just fucking take a wider view of history. For how many decades was one black person being put on a show because a booker was like, oh, my audience can't take hearing more than one black Yo, person women, talk. Too. Or no, one woman. No yeah, one exactly. is entitled to stage time. Yeah. No yeah. one is entitled to anything. So Comics like, feel entitled to everything. I know. Everything. And it's like, <laughs> baby, you so should <laughs> feel grateful that you have people listening to you talking into a microphone. Yep. Ever. Anytime anyone is sitting there listening where they do not get to speak back to you, yeah. that is great. Congratulations that you managed to engineer that situation. Dude, and I hate to break it to everyone in comedy, but like... There is no such thing as achieving a certain like pinnacle and then that's it. You're done working and your spot is secured forever in the world of comedy and you don't have to worry or work or fucking watch your mouth or like, you know, nothing. Look at Louis. Look at Nick DiPaolo's skills that went away completely. Uh, it just isn't. And, you know, art forms disappear. Vaudeville went like so many things just go away. That's you have th- to move with your world. <laughs> another thing that I was thinking about when I was watching this Nick DePaulo special is that, like, I've been doing stand-up for a long time, and I've got this creeping feeling that it's like... If, I mean, you watch the Nick DePaulo special, and you're like, this style of comedy is outdated. But yeah. sometimes I feel like the medium itself is starting to become outdated, and, like, I don't know if it's going to last well, forever. Well, well I, so. I want to ask you guys something as a civilian. The I feel like in the arts or whatever... In any so-called, you know, bohemian part of town or, you know, city or whatever, the big thing everybody had was, I'm secretly working on a novel. Like, everyone fancied <laughs> themselves to be a writer. Yeah. I feel like, at some point, stand-up comedy and improv became everybody's secret uh, passion. Like, like whereas before, you used yeah. to have a lot of readings where, you know, they would encourage people in the 2000s. I remember, like, when uh, Williamsburg first started kind of taking off as, like, a... Uh, you know, 
in the artsy area. There used to be all these like reading nights, you know, like, you know, combined to a reading and whatever. Now, in my neighborhood, I live in uh, Clinton Hill on the border of Bed-Stuy. Every single restaurant, every single something is doing like an impromptu uh, open open mic. And I was wondering, what do you think that's going to do? Because I feel like there's a lot of people who seem to be just getting into stand-up because they're like, oh, it looks technically easy. Because like making a film requires some kind of technical knowledge and whatever. And I think people underestimate how hard comedy is because they just see, oh, I just need It's like a porn. Voice. Everyone thinks they can do it because yeah. everyone has sex. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Everyone makes jokes. Everyone makes jokes. Everyone makes people laugh and whatever. Yeah. And what's weird is I feel like a lot of those people who are doing it for that reason are actually finding success because they might be good schmoozers or whatever. I feel like that's kind of where a lot of the unfunny things that I see happening. Like, to me, when I see, like, um, a lot of these new black comics and stuff, I think they're kind of bad there have been black comics before, but, I mean, there were people who came up, but comedy is what they really wanted to do. They, like, a, a mom's maybe a Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor a Luanda Page or a Wanda Sykes or whatever, a Chris Rock. Like, I have a thing about this. Yeah, they weren't just somebody who was There's bored. So many yeah, they weren't just somebody who was bored or somebody who was like, hey... Maybe this is a great way for me to bring into entertainment. Or yeah, but stand-up stand used to be that thing, like how, Pod, uh, how Jake described finding Cumbtown now. Yeah. Stand-up did used to be a thing where you had to go find it, where you yeah. had to go to the one club in your city if there was one, or you had to buy records, and you had to know what to look for. And, I mean, I remember when Comedy Central came out, and I was like, oh, my God, TV for me, this is amazing. And then, you know, they didn't go so much stand-up anyway. But um, So it's partially that, that it was, like, not easily available to everyone and not like poured into your ears without your choosing as a lot of comedy is and now it's like and now it's It's exactly completely accessible there's also the business and capitalism side of it which is um it has the least amount of overhead for like than almost any kind of entertainment production it's very like um it's it's almost like a timeshare it's like a very like attractive like oh i'm gonna it's cheap to make wait a minute i got a hundred dollars little equipment i feel feel 80 percent of people in brooklyn have a secret five minute set yeah. <laughs> I think everybody has a podcast. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Everyone's so yeah. mad that everyone has a podcast. It's yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I would tell you... Like, no, but I think it's that kind of thing where, like, there's lots of, you know, amateurs yeah. who are dabbling just, just and, dabbling yeah. in, in podcasting now. That that's like a, a... And I think that's the case with yeah. stand-up and improv. There's people but, who are doing it as, like, a fun little side hobby. Oh, yeah. and That's and, why I compared yeah. it to indie rock, though. Because, yeah. okay, so... Indie rock happened because there was rock and roll music that you had to be a fucking millionaire in England and a rich pomp like fucking prince to to play. And you had to get passed by a huge gatekeeper. And then somebody went, holy shit, we can just make this shit ourselves, right? And with comedy, similar thing happened where it was like, comedy is an abstract thing. I turn on the TV, there's a stand-up comedian on late night. And then I think, honestly, I would place it that the comedians of comedy happened. And then people like me, when I was a kid, went... Oh, you can do this with your fucking shitty punk rock friends yeah. in a garage. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to. You yeah. don't have to work and get into the comedy club. You can make your own thing, and that's when everyone started doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why everyone feels like a sort of access to it, and you have your five minutes yeah. in your pocket and whatever. And I think that's cool. I think it's good about it. But also, that's what like m- like devalued it. That's what yeah, yeah, and that pisses off a lot of yeah. people that it was their mm-hmm. niche thing before. But the other thing about it is that mixed within it, I think. I think it's weird that there aren't more people that are just like this is a fun hobby and like whatever. Right, they all think they're going to make it. Because it's <laughs> because it's it's 
it's rooted in the entertainment industry. It's individualistic. It's yeah. you alone for all these different reasons. For some reason, comedy makes a capitalist out of everyone that goes into it. And it and attracts a lot of climbers, I think. It does. And so that thing you're talking about with people being like, you know, uh, really like they rise to the top of it because they're good at schmoozing and marketing and stuff. I think it's true. And I also think that it's like, it's openly, transparently rewarded within the thing. And I'll tell you why. This Nick DePaula special came out, right? And the dumbest fucking people I know, every one of the dumbest, shitty, libertarian white guys said, well, you got to admit, he's a hell of a marketer. Uh, yeah, he's I using know. the outrage machine to be a marketer. And like, you know what? He kind of is. Right. He did get talked about a lot. He's probably going to make money yeah. off of this. But who gives a shit? Doesn't make you a good comedian. Yeah. Go, be, go right. into marketing, fucker. Yeah, you're exactly. still trying to get famous. You're totally. still not happy. You're still trying to make good art and you're not fucking making yeah. it. So I don't care if you're the fucking, you sell the most records of anyone ever. If you're not good at this, No, and I, I agree comedy. with you 100%. I would say like the comforting fact there is that has always been the case like people seem to think that now is only the time that this is happening it's only that we're like more connected through social media we have more people announcing their shit that they got on instagram all this stuff so it feels like you're seeing more of that but in reality the the environment has always had like you know, you said comedians are coming in, and then at the same time, Jackie Martling was putting out CDs, right. and fucking Howard Stern was having strippers on his show. Like, all the different versions have existed, and so there has always been the ones who are like, I only care about my craft, and I'm going to work really hard at it. You know, like, look at Carlin. Carlin changed his style and his type of content, like, four times throughout his career. Yeah. Um, so there are some who are like, they find success strictly through, I will work on my craft. There are some who find success through, I'm so good at kissing ass and making friends with the right people and being like charming on stage and being a good talking head and that gets me through like filling a comedy club even though I never wrote a joke in my life like those things have always existed and they're always going to continue to exist and you can't like your own drive in comedy can't be based on why other people are in comedy. My, my well, big you know problem I mean? with minority comedy now is I feel like the old <laughs> I love how you're like the most takes. against minority comedy <laughs> no, no, at this no, table. No, 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 no. I, I'll tell you what it is. I feel like they used to come up through black audiences. So we right. used to select them up until Def Jam. Like anybody that got big were people that we kind of selected. Like they got so big among black audiences that white audiences kind of had to notice them. It was right. almost like kind of like a, a Negro Leagues kind of thing, you know, where that's how um, Jackie Robinson came up into um, the majors with <laughs> right. how good he was doing. Whereas now, I feel like white people just select black people who have no rooting in the black experience who, like, a lot of us we don't even know who they are as, like, fans. We're like, who is that person? Whereas before, like, when Bernie Mac made, made it, we're like, oh... This is the guy we used to laugh at on Def Comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you, yeah, too. What about yeah. like Tiffany Haddish and Leslie Jones yeah. who came up in black rooms? And well, I, I, well, well um, Leslie Jones, I think, is older. She, I remember her yeah. in the 90s. I yeah. saw yeah, her Yeah, yeah, she's like in the late 40s, 50s. So yeah. she had a very long grind. I'm talking yeah. about these people who are younger who are coming up now. Because like, to me, Leslie Jones is late from the older generation. She just right. took longer to uh, climb. And Tiffany Haddish is older, too. She's been grinding at it. For right, a while but herself. you know, to your original question, like, so I remember that that was the case, but one thing was those black rooms were also producing a lot of the same type of com comedian, right? Like the same type of comedy, so that when it came time to do um, the HBO, what's it called? Uh, Def Jam. Def Jam. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm really terrible with names. So when it came time to do Def Jam, and they cherry picked like the top of all of those black rooms. 
the feedback really was that it wasn't accessible to an, a worldwide audience, right? Or to like the mainstream monoculture audience because it was too much of one specific type of black comedy, right? So they tried to fix that by adding some white dudes towards the final seasons. And now what I would say to you is the opposite of that is happening because if you only pick one type of black comic all the time, whether you're choosing them from black rooms or not, you're feeding into whatever some person's stereotype of a black person is. And while I agree with you about like, the black nerd comedy being like a particular thing that a lot of people are going for now in a kind of shallow, stupid way sometimes. It is a valid form of blackness that wasn't being represented in comedy before. And so, you know, some of these like black girls who grew, grew up with a lot of white friends and have a different like cultural view of the world than black girls that grew up in the Bronx or whatever, um, they have a valid point of view and there are other black girls that live like them and will identify with that comedy. So I actually do think it is a good thing that we're breaking up blackness and we're breaking up Latino-ness like we're seeing now, not just Mexican comedians, but also, you know, Latin, Latinos of other types and like uh, different types of Asian comics and different. Um, so it is about breaking up this monolith of culture. And, you know, I think it's just growing pains and the fact that like the industry is made the way that it is that not everybody has all the time to go look for the best in all these categories of people. There's going to be a hit or miss, but ultimately it's positive. I think it's positive growth. Every hit, every hit is worth five misses. You know what I mean? And it would be great if their numbers were better, <laughs> if their odds were better. But what I'm curious about is do you think black rooms even exist anymore? Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and there was white comics that came up in black rooms too. Big J. Okerson. Uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr, yeah. yeah. So, he used to be on Def Jam and shit. Yeah, exactly. So, and to me, they're a sign of like, it's not good for you to only work for your niche. And I understand that capitalism-wise, having a niche is probably the only way to make a living off of comedy at this point. But it's not good for you as a performer. Well, at it, it being good at like the art part yeah. of it, you should be you should actually be operating at a loss, going yeah. and doing shit that isn't paying, but exactly. it's making you better, like playing the other rooms or whatever. That's why Bill Burr is like a great comic, is because yeah. he's very like uh, upfront about the fact that he's constantly trying to challenge himself by right. doing shit like that, and he doesn't get stuck in these Nick DiPaolo niches where he's like right. only on one side of the things. Even though he has a white guy, and he has kind of a no, of course, and he's not perfect. But I'll say, like uh, when I worked for JFL, uh, Bill Burr used to come watch New Faces in between his shows. That's not surprising. Uh, yeah, and he would just like stand in the back quietly, and it was just out of this like interest of knowing who's coming up and what young people are talking about and what's trending in comedy. It matters like that makes you a better comic if you are aware of what your peers are talking about of what younger people are talking about and and Bill Burr's not rigid like he makes some surprisingly woke points that you yeah, yeah, would yeah. Not. but I also he <laughs> yeah. definitely says some yeah. shit yeah. Like, oh, like, he's not great that's what you want to talk about like yeah. Yeah, yeah. you really there was some like John Hodgman thing in his letter newsletter that Jesse David Fox shared that was like uh, about the fact that Bill Burr has just like is really wonderful at his craft and is really yeah. fucking good at what he does. And yet still it's like one of his first jokes was like on some new special was about how hitting a woman. Hitting a woman. Yeah. And it's like, okay, why? Why is this yeah. the yeah. thing you're choosing to like, like? The reason I bring him up is because he kind of is in this like seller ONA crowd yeah. or whatever. And he does a lot of like bad shit like that. But the reason he's not as bad, he's not a Nick DiPaolo person yeah. that we're getting pissed off at. He tries a little. <laughs> he also he tries a little bit. Yeah. And he stops yeah. every ten seconds to go. Listen, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking yeah. about. I'm an idiot, and yeah. he makes it very clear that what he's doing, which is what all those guys are 
pretending to do mm-hmm. is thought experiments right. and talking through stuff and going, I might even be wrong about this, but I need to get to the end of this sentence to see if yeah. this thought goes somewhere. Well, and, and also, like, every every comedian is just performing for the people that think that they're funny, right? Hoping that yeah. somebody thinks they're funny. And there are going to be comedians that you don't think are funny. There are going to be comedians. Like, to me, like, when I see a Bill Burr do some shit that I'm like, eh, it's my response is it's not for me right yeah. and it's not so like many somebody people's responses is it's not funny and yeah. it's like no it's not for you yeah like well, you yeah. don't like it that's okay another thing about the subjective nature of like art and comedy that I was kind of wanting to bring up during this is that like I, I've been struggling with this concept a lot of people that I talk to for some reason have this um, there's a very common sort of uh, idea that um, like liberals or leftists or whoever, whoever the fuck your group is that you're talking about, they're like, these people are always the funniest. The funniest, and, oh, yeah. and the argument is always that the reason we're funnier is because we're right and that truth is what makes things funny. And I don't think it's true. I think comedy is really subjective. I mean, yeah. there are people that will laugh at something that you don't think is funny. Also, I, I think about, like, I've been thinking about this too because like come down and stuff, I've been trying to figure out, am I laughing at something that is wrong? And I, am I just going to, like protect it and justify it by saying Mm. well the fact that I think it's funny must mean that it's morally good are those two things connected I don't know I think maybe not I think that might be what's weird about comedy is it and because it's an art form where you're making points about politics a lot people equate something being funny and like clever with being true and it might not be true like I think that sometimes it's just you're just twisting logic and it sort of tickles your brain or whatever but like it's not we're all falling into a big pitfall by thinking like uh you know funny equals truth because a funny is subjective therefore that would make truth subjective yeah Yeah. and also be like um i I guess there's plenty of funny that's not true and there's plenty of truth that's not funny (laughs) and And there's plenty of things that we could laugh at despite our better interests and despite what you know, I think that makes you a better person if you can admit that they're, they're separate because Look, then, yeah. like, if you think that funny and truth are the same thing, you're going to end up with shitty politics that are based on what you think is funny, right. or you're going to end up with a shitty sense of humor based on what you Which think is Which I think true. Are, would I mean, be I what I'd say I about Nick DiPaolo. You know, making fun of this idea of like babies picking their own gender and that like raising your kids without gender, which I still I would not raise a kid without a gender, but. And I thought it was an okay joke. It wasn't like one of my favorite jokes, but I stopped doing it because I recognized that like maybe there's somebody in the audience who's non-binary who's going to sit there and be like, well, that made me feel shitty. Yeah. And I don't really want to do that. You know, I don't right. really want my audience to leave where like one marginalized person's going like, yeah, she wasn't super thoughtful about that. And that made me feel shitty. How would you feel if that joke killed though like i don't know it, it, but i mean I it did well it, yeah, it, it did well and i still stopped doing it that's why i think comedians like nick DePaul go crazy because that what they start doing is they start getting positive feedback for shit like that and then they start thinking well this must be true i th- i watched a friend of mine perform a week long like a week at a club and at the beginning of the week he goes i got this new joke i hate it but it's getting big laughs and the joke was about roofing women and it was like um i'll just say it he's not listening to this this is a fucking patreon episode <laughs> my friend chris he goes this is a joke he goes uh he's like a lot of people put roofies in women's drinks but i put adderall in in girls drinks because i want that bitch to focus right <laughs> which is like a fucking whatever kind of clever 
pretty sexist to joke about yeah. roofing. I don't know, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And it's in this weird middle where me and him were two guys, we're sitting in the back of a club, and we're like, I don't know, it's kind of gross. <laughs> the beginning of the week, he goes, I hate this joke. And then I watch him over the course of the week do the joke, and I hear the laughs coming into the room. By the end of the middle of the week, he's like, I don't know, I kind of like this joke. By the end of the week, he's like, this is my fucking closer, right? <laughs> and I watched him convince Rational himself that it's good and fine because he got the feedback from it. Yep. And from that, I, I kind of look at old comedians. I'm like, this is why they go crazy because they find these niche audiences. I know, audiences. but you know, but that's still their fault. That's still no, you be, being a fucking moron. That's what I'm saying. Don't be because, a fucking coward. Yeah, you're being a fucking moron because there's no way that you... There, there's just it's there's no way that you can rationalize to yourself that this thing that I know is edgy for a reason is also good or, or true because people laugh at it when we like what are we ignoring the whole fact of uncomfortable laughter there's like people laugh when they are shocked or surprised or when they're tickled like there's so many reasons to laugh that have nothing to do with truth when well, we you're on crazy. stage you ignore everything I know you but convince it's, you're just but so it's crazy insecure because then you're it, like it, that would be like being like ooh well then Je Anthony Jeselnik is a hero because he didn't let madness get to him because people laughing at dead baby jokes he must now think everybody should kill their baby because dead babies are for sure true and funny <laughs> you know like yeah. that's it's ridiculous it's a weakness in you as a person if constant positive reinforcement of a negative idea becomes a positive idea in your mind that is not society's fault you know what I mean yeah that's, that's what totally saying. your fucking weakness of self and like fear of facing failure of speaking in a room where you're not going to have positive reinforcement to these ideas it's fucking stupid and it's not so th the reason it annoys me is because this idea of um, comedy being subjective what that means is not that there's like some certain truth in comedy but that all humans walk into comedy with their own subjective experience uh, through which they read the art that you're presenting, yeah. right? So that's where subjectivity comes. That's why when people say comedy is subjective, they're implying that it's therefore not objective, and that's not true. There is objectively good and objectively bad comedy. <laughs> like, you can define this is a well-written joke, this is a good structure for a set. You can find these things that are objectively good comedy. When the subjective comes in is in your audience, is in the fact that whatever you intended to say is translated through that person's personal experience, how many books they've read, uh, what religion they believe in, what political experience they've had, and then they find laughter in that or not, right? And then it's your job to figure out why they didn't find laughter and whether you want to pursue the path of finding laughter for that particular type of person or not. That's all. So I hate this idea of like, Comedy is subjective is it's used as like a self-protecting shell of like, well, if they didn't like me, it's totally their fault. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, your job is to be funny. So explore why you weren't funny for some person. Why wouldn't you want to know why you weren't funny for a specific person or type of people? Well, what do you guys think about the comedy fan who lionizes comedians as like the highest form of like social justice? Because oh, that's it. a very weird <laughs> thing that I see too, where a lot of people treat the jester is the only one that can truly <laughs> laugh at the king in his face yeah 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 where they can't treat like they treat other types of comedy even like even like movies like like it's comedy specifically and stand-up comedy that is the most speak to truth power thing and it must be protected so even like the hackiest 
guy doing like the hackiest, laziest, a sexist or racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to defend this shitty okay. point of view, but like I think I am one of those people. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I hate yeah, it yeah, yeah. so much. No, I know, but hear me out because okay. what I'm saying is, oh, I, oh, okay, but do you agree with it with all comedy? Because I feel, no, I feel like these people, these are people yeah. who apply to like a Nick DiPaolo. They act right. like coming exactly. by Nick DiPaolo, you're stopping some great truth teller. That's right. Uh, that's exactly what I think is the problem. Is like I think comedy does have the capacity to speak truth to power to interrogate truths in society all of this shit it doesn't mean it's the only form of comedy it doesn't mean it's the only right form of comedy there's plenty of fucking absurd fart jokes and whatever the fuck which are all great and bring people joy and are equally valid forms of comedy oh, oh yeah I was talking about the person that applies it across the board well they're they an idiot act, yeah, yeah. They, they think like, no no like, but yeah. also you have to remember that um comedy even though right now it seems like it's everywhere and everybody wants to be a stand-up Really, it's like a big giant iceberg that only the top 1% of comedy as a whole, like I'm not even saying just stand-up, but like the whole art form of comedy, there's only the top 1% exposed to the majority of society. Like you see the same actors and the same improv people and the same everything repeated and this like expectation that they will, these like 1% will be the full source of comedy for like the next 50 years. And so most people are not aware that there is more comedy and more styles beyond the one kind that they were introduced to when they were a teenager or when they had a boyfriend that was a stand up or whatever, whatever their entryway to it was. And most of them are not talking about it like we are in terms of like there's improv and there's one liners and storytellers and all of this stuff. And that's also why they tend to walk into comedy shows and be like, like Sachi was saying, be like, oh, I fucking hate this. This is not comedy because they're thinking it's not the comedy I understand to be comedy instead of, oh, there's all kinds of different comedies and this one's not for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, don't be friends with anybody who just thinks that they're all wonderful hero truth tellers fighting the power. <laughs> the jester. Okay. Um, Why would the guy that was mad at you? Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, the one that... Uh, Is it Akash? Akash. Yeah. I don't know him, but um, yeah, so this guy Akash, I tweeted, first of all, let me tell you this story, okay? <laughs> when this picture came out and we were all clowning on Nick DePaul's stupid fucking yeah. picture, he's flipping off people, I tweeted a picture of it and I said, no one over 40 should be allowed to do stand-up. Which is funny, I like that. Which is a, <laughs> a joke, right? Yeah. And then all of these fucking weird right-wing seller dudes yeah. who claim to love comedy yeah. responded to my joke by getting really mad at it because they didn't understand it was a joke. Mm -hmm. They c claimed to love comedy and they were like, um, Bill Burr, uh, uh. George Carlin, <laughs> um, Rodney Danger. I was like, it's a fucking joke. I don't actually think that no one over 40 should be allowed to do fucking yeah. stand-up. But, um, you know, that was really funny. But then also, so like, there are, you know, there's this big s fucking spectrum of people yeah. that are like in the middle or like, I don't know. And then there are these fucking far right reactionary guys. Yeah. This guy, Akash, I don't know him. I would have never thought he was like a right reactionary so, guy. I don't know who he is, right? But he okay. retweeted it and he was like, you should have said, if you'd have said this to Nick DePaul's ass, he would have kicked your ass. And so I yeah. saw it because when he retweets yeah. somebody to see your shit and I was like, and he was like, you didn't even at tag him. So I, I added Nick DePaul. But, yeah, but, but, but why do people want you to like, do that? I never understand what people Because they think you're afraid. Yeah. yeah. To, it's just, just like expressing your opinion. It's just, yeah. it's Nick DePaul, come to my apartment. Yeah. We'll fight. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm yeah. not afraid of these people. I don't, these are fucking losers. I'm a loser. They're losers. But <sighs> the thing is, I looked up this guy and I was like, who is this person? Like, this yeah. is weird, you know? This is like a person of color and all this stuff. And yeah. so I looked at his bio and 
Um, I read a f- I, 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 yeah, I got a few things from it. One of the first things he said was like, if you're offended by my jokes, just know that your right. phone was yeah. made in a sweatshop. That is day one fucking libertarian I dork know. shit. That you I don't, know. I don't understand capitalism. He's you, friends with Andrew Schultz, I right. believe. Yeah, so, I know, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that he has a Patreon for his podcast okay. in his fucking bio. And I looked at it and I was like, I, I'm not gonna lie. I clicked on it because I was hoping yeah. like my Patreon makes thirty seven dollars. Yeah. You know, I could laugh at him. Yeah. No, that's actually something else that's going yeah. on here. This yeah. is a very popular point of view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that guy's podcast. The description yeah. of it is like, "What's up, cucks? This is fucking. We're gonna actually talk about SJWs yeah. and how fucking we're dumb they are and all this stuff." Right? Holy shit! I had no idea. That's a good <laughs> super right wing, super like alt righty. Uh, like, yeah. we're yeah. gonna b- we're gonna fuck. This isn't a goddamn snowflake podcast. This is we're gonna actually call people faggots and stuff. Oh, right? I bet it makes money. So it makes twenty seven thousand. Dollars yeah. a month, it makes fucking Cumtown money. And I looked so at it, you and described I was like, it, yeah. I wanted to be like, I bet this guy's his career is not going well. Yeah. I'm a comedian, and I was like, fucking yeah. angry at this guy. But that's actually a thing that's going on here. This stuff, capitalism is not a fucking arbiter of what is moral. Yeah. He's selling a lot and, because and, people right. like this. Stephen Crowder is incredibly successful, right? And, and, and those guys like hearing their voice, their views echoed so much. They don't care about craft. They will give money to the biggest hacks. That's why they're always getting grifted by those Mike Cernovich <laughs> types. Like, yeah. They're the easiest to grift and a lot of black people will do it too or people of color because they know these people, they want to hear a person of color. Yeah, they want to be reaffirmed yeah, by a They want to be reaffirmed by a brown yeah. person. So it's yeah. like, uh, if I was to go out tomorrow and just make a right wing uh, podcast, you know, bashing like on um, anti-racist snowflakes, it would just... Uh, take off right away, dude. Sometimes easy, I think easy. about just doing it, oh, <laughs> just making a, like a alt. Candace Owen, <laughs> she came out the gate so recently. It's amazing how recent she came out and has risen to prominence. She's been out for like a little over a year. Well, there's a cottage industry in being a reactionary. Like, yeah. you really, I mean, fuck. If things get bad enough, yeah. you know, a lot of us might just be like, oh, all right, <laughs> maybe I'll make a fucking Nazi podcast just to pay the bills, you know. And sell Candace some Owen is dumb. Brain pills She's and shit at the end bright. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all dumb. They're just, yeah. you know, their thing, the thing that they're smart at and good at is making money. And so, like, that's what that is. But you know? I, I have to wonder about guys like that who, like, aren't white, but they make their their money or their name by just being, like, a mascot or helping, like, some of the worst white guys get away with what they want to get away with. I, I don't think like, they think of themselves that way. I think that they think that's what they think is funny. That's what they were raised on. Like, that's, they're okay with it. And, you know, they feel like we're chopping it up. This is how we talk to each other, you know? They make fun of me because I'm brown and I make fun of them because they're fat or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's like, oh, I'm going to, like, give up my, you know, politics to get myself in with these guys. I don't think they're giving up their politics, but I think even the side they grew up, something happened with that became their survival mechanism like you know it was like i'm the only brown or black kid in this circle whatever i can either get into a fight every day or find a way to spin it yeah i felt that way about being a girl coming up in comedy stuff and like wanting to get along with the guys and wanting guys to respect me and i let people say all kinds of shit and i learned to stop being like mouthy feminist killjoy and then at a certain point i was like or maybe it became more acceptable to be mouthy feminist killjoy, but 
you know, or the tide started to change and it was okay again for me to like be like, hey, you know what? I actually thought that was kind of fucked up when you said that all women were bitches or whatever, you know, like yeah. it's it, it, you, I, I you do I, what you have to do to belong. And then at a certain point, you hope that like society will change enough that you're allowed to be the person that you actually want to be. I think it might a, be cautious, seems yeah. like fully cooked, though. He Probably. doesn't seem like he's coming back. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it might even be a conscious thing. He might have convinced himself that he likes it. He might have, you know, gotten I, Ideology used. can happen to anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't think it's a conscious thing. Like, he's like, I'm betraying myself. I feel like he's probably bought in fully, probably, at some point. I think the only way you can treat people is like they bought in fully because it's uh, it's pretty condescending to just talk at someone like they're not aware of what's operating on them. And sure, there's a possibility that they're not, but... Ultimately, I think if somebody, especially if they're putting toxic shit into the world, at least personally, I don't think it's my job to hold your hand through it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about like people like that is that you look at a person of color and you go, "How could they be like this?" A lot of times, you find out that they're like rich or something, and it's like you basically lived a white American life on some Mm -hmm. level, and that's why you and you you don't identify with the people that other people would identify you as part of. Yeah, and you have the exact same pathologies in politics of a privileged person yes. who yeah. is privileged in other ways because you just are privileged in like you know maybe yeah. you fucking just grew up cushy in the suburbs or some shit yep. you know that's like uh i mean that's the fucking american dream there you yeah. know that's what turns people into that shit totally um we're almost at two hours yeah. i don't want to yeah. fucking keep you guys i was gonna say one more thing i think too i think the appeal to some of those guys like akash is if i can equate being brown or black or a woman with someone else you know being fat or being bald i think that's how they kind of cope with being in a press group sometimes too it's like i think they like the idea that everything's interchangeable and flattened and yeah. it kind of makes them feel better about what their fate like you can lie to yourself and say this is no bigger a handicap in a white supremacist society than just you know having a receding hairline and stuff like that i think that's why some of them get so vehement because like, he was very angry in your mentions i'm not sure <laughs> why are you getting so angry why is it so, so important mad. to you that nick DiPaolo is Okay, and I think he wants to really believe that racism, none of that stuff matters. As long I as think, you're not yeah, a about I also think it's partially what you brought up earlier about um, him. I, I, I think I read Akash as he identifies as a comic before a person of color. Yeah. And yeah. he is identifying with the so called slippery slope of if you try to so, quote unquote censor this other comic or criticize this other comic, then that's the slippery slope to criticizing me and censoring me and my friends and my people like that. As opposed to seeing, like, maybe your identity as a comic isn't the first lens through which you should read mm-hmm. this situation put yourself aside first as a look at it as a man first or a person of color or as a person who knows women who wouldn't like this you know like I don't know but but I think even putting comic before man of color is part of that defense mechanism like, right. like the luxury that's of being exactly able right. Right. That's being what I'm able saying. to yeah. uh, dude comedy saves yeah. people's lives like a lot yeah. of people who get into comedy are like it's a family and a, yeah. and it's a fucking it's a great defense mechanism yeah. if you're the fattest kid in the fucking playground and then you figure out if I make a great joke about how fat I am first yeah. no one else can fucking yep. do it I and mean, that's yeah. what that's where it comes from for a lot of people mm-hmm. and that camaraderie especially in that that like that ONA like fucking teller type crowd where yeah. their thing is like we're all fucking mean to each other yeah. but at the end of the day 
that means we're all equal. Like yeah. that fucking thing. Uh-huh. All these guys don't understand. They think, they think they're the smartest people in the world. We learned that shit in eighth grade. Yeah. Like it's fucking <laughs> basic shit. But that's like the rules that these people live by. And that's why these people have the concept of their community of comedians as being like a fucking gang or something yeah. or being a political party. Like yeah. that's why a lot of the arguments that are going around about this fucking Nick DePaulo special are like, are you seriously going to criticize another yeah. comedian? Like, aren't you guys all sacred? I've never fucking met that guy. I don't yeah. care. He's probably, an, he is an asshole. Like, what, but the, this weird assumption that they're making that like, it's sacred what we do but comes I think, from that I think shit. what Luisa said is true too is that they're selective about it. Right. I've seen so many people punch on, um, what's his name? Aziz Ansari. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about even before yeah. the, that scandal he had, but there were a lot of times it was cool to Make fun of him. Yeah, I know. Or like a well, last kind of a year, uh, an example that bothered me a lot. Maybe this was two years ago already, but uh, Schumer's leather special yeah. came out at pretty much the same time as Burr's. I forgot what it's called, but it was like, you know, the, maybe the last one. Yeah, the he last was like one. in the South or something. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. Neither one of them were particularly great specials. They weren't yeah. fucking hot garbage, but they were not like fully finished fleshed out ideas you had punchlines every minute like it was neither one of them were perfect specials and yet from comics the mockery of amy's outfit of amy was never funny of amy like they actual like her peers were publicly okay with making fun of her because her special was imperfect not one word about Bill Burr's not being fucking finished. Yeah. Not that's one. That's a good example. It's yeah. not one. And, I under, and I'm not saying either one of them are bad comics or whatever, but it's this idea that you can't criticize each other. It's only when you identify another comic as like worthy of your category. Well, all those, those heroes of the O&A crowd are all unimpeachable. Yeah. They're all like supposed to be thought of as these fucking brilliant masterminds. Yeah. And the weird thing about the Schumer thing is that you felt like a lot of people were waiting for their chance. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem like it was something that just came to them. Like, yeah to be a lot of finally we have a chance yeah this has been being held in yep yeah all right um i'm gonna close this out by reading a story real quick that <laughs> okay. is uh, pretty funny that happened about the special and then we'll fucking get out of here because we've been going off for two hours um let me pause real quick and pull it up uh okay so uh <laughs> I'll close out by reading this. There's a comedian named Shauna Jarrett out of uh, South Carolina. Oh, yes, I do. I, 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 yes. <laughs> she, uh, she posted this in response to the thing. It's a Facebook post. It says, Nick DiPaolo, Edge Dad, track listing. One, right. menaced by avocado toast. Two, not all men, but certainly me, Nick DiPaolo. <laughs> Three, kindness is gay. Four, the ghost of Richard Pryor told me I can say the N-word and other dreams I had on Indian. <laughs> It's very good. She roasted yeah. him real hard. Five prostate exams, prostate exams, prostate exams. Like she's getting like at shitty old guy yeah. comedy, and not even just the main fucking yeah. shit he was talking about. Six twenty-minute rant about millennials premised on inaccurate and outdated information. <laughs> uh, seven colonoscopy hour. Eight stale memes. My lackeys are too scared to tell me I didn't write. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nine. There are too many letters in LGBTQ. <laughs> There's a sandwich called a BLT. Anything there? 
<laughs> 10. Why females no blowjob? 11. And this is just in brackets. Cartoon spring boiling sound. Uh, 12. Closer. Some of my best friends are slurs in brackets. Uh, 13. Encore masturbating to completion while hissing Louis C.K. did nothing wrong over and over again. Mm. Pretty funny, right? Uh, yeah. She posted this on her own Facebook page. And then... He, no, he responded? Nick yeah. DiPaolo DM'd her. It looks like on Instagram. Oh, no. He came out and fucking found her. And he said, another unattractive woman who is mad at no. the world because of it and chooses it to take it out on straight men. I'm oh twice God. as old as you and twice as relevant in our shared field. What's that feel like? <laughs> and she responded, I don't know television's Nick DiPaolo. You're the <laughs> You're the one who tracked down a nobody yeah. to throw a pee pants tantrum about getting roasted. So you tell me how it feels. I've always thought uh, that the snowflake thing was a story old hacks tell themselves to avoid writing fresh takes in a world that's moved on. But I guess some people are actually too sensitive for comedy. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm sorry. I shared your promotional materials. So, like, this is fucking hilarious because... A, she like got him real good, and it's funny. <laughs> but B, like everything about the way he responded to this defies. There were, a bunch, of, there were a bunch of instances of him tracking people down. Really, tweeting really? at them. Jesus, like asking them to take things down. Because <laughs> there was a lot of funny photoshops. That's true. There was like other people like messed with his image yeah. and like made it like you know snowflake comedy. <laughs> like it was, it was so funny. I really loved it. Well, if you want to pose the argument that he's like, well, he's a master marketer because like he's got everyone talking. It's not true. He's very mad that everyone's talking about his special. Yeah. <laughs> he's so fucking angry about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, then and then as she points out, like the idea that that he's making fun of people that are sensitive. This yeah. is clearly like the most sensitive fucking man ever, man. Totally. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's like, what is your ideal world that you are giving the finger to minorities and women and then they're like, thank you. Is that <laughs> yeah, ideal? Yeah. That's what you want? This is what, this is supposed Everybody to be what did you just wanted. go like, oh, yeah. thank you for saying fuck you. You're right. Fuck me. <laughs> it's like, no, they're getting mad. That's what you want to do. Like, enjoy it. Yeah, what did you want? What did you think was going to happen? There's clearly no logic. I mean, he yelled at his own audience for being too PC. So I don't know what the goal is, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking bombed. It's so funny. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I could talk about comedy all day, but we should probably get out of here. Um, Does anyone want to plug anything? This will be... I'm going to pause real quick. Uh, Yeah. Plugs anyone? Sure. Come to Too Many Cooks if you're in New York City. A comedy show that is very good and also diverse. Imagine that. Um, Every (laughs) Thursday. Every Thursday at Lucky Jack's in the Lower East Side. And you can follow Too Many Cooks NYC on Twitter or follow me, Luisa Diaz Nuts. Nice. Uh, Sachi, anything? Uh, I'm at Mistrionics on Twitter and Instagram. And... uh, Ashley Brick Roberts and I uh, wrote a short film that we're going to be doing a uh, seed and spark for pretty soon. So uh, look out for that. And if you want to see cool lady directors and whatnot, uh, support that. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, just listen to Champagne Sharks. And <laughs> I'm Ricky Rawls on Twitter. And that's it. Okay, cool. Um, subscribe to our Patreon at Poddam America, patreon.com slash Poddam. And. Um, fucking rate review subscribe i'm feral jokes on twitter you know all that bullshit okay thanks guys bye bye bye, bye.